Welcome to Savvy Sab's podcast on call-in. This is episode 83, Max Blumenthal interview recap. How do you feel about the discussion between myself and Max about the rally and coalition building? All right, all opinions are, are welcomed over here. It looks like we have Karthik. You are up first and you are on the mic. Let me make sure that I have my volume turned on for media. What's up, Karthik? Sabi, I'm so sad. I, I thought you were going to keep singing. Oh. <laughs> hey, listen, I love me some journey. <laughs> no, it, it, it is good. Uh, this this might uh, make me seem too young. I don't know, but I, I first heard Don't Stop Believing because I was a huge uh, Glee fan in high school. So that's how I know that. Oh, but, uh, I used to watch that show. Yeah. I know yeah, about some Yeah, there's a lot of uh, uh, inappropriate things in that show. But anyway, besides that, um, yeah, so I, I, I didn't get to see uh, all of the, um, the uh, interview you had with Max, unfortunately. Um, but from what I saw, I, I liked what he kind of said about gatekeepers. You know, there are always the gatekeepers that, uh, in their eyes, prevent the, uh, well, what was it, the, the Red Blue or Red Brown Alliance? Yep. Yes, there's a lot of that happening. <laughs> yeah, and um, look, I and like I think we talked about this on your call-in show last week. Like, I definitely get why um, uh, those people, um, like I guess, like certain people, were uh, uh, uncomfortable with the rally. Like, sure, there's uh, plenty of unsavory people that spoke. I definitely understood that. Um, but I don't think there's anything wrong with trying. Like, I, I don't see what like the harm is because it's not like there's any like violence. It's not like 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 any like people were attacked at the rally last week i don't think at least no it was it was not like that at all and i think the thing is i know you know some people mentioned that they wouldn't feel safe and and my thing is it's like you're out in the open in a public space i didn't see any violent people there at all uh when rachel maddow said that there were proud boys there there were no proud boys at that event that's a lie definitely a lie and there were a lot of lefties there, which I met like in the crowd. And I met people when we were walking from the Lincoln Memorial to the White House. I met several people, several of you guys like came up and said hello. Um, and I think that even when you look at the speeches, it was funny to me because someone had mentioned to me that they didn't hear the speeches. I was like, did you listen to what the speakers were saying? And they said that they didn't hear the speeches. But they were saying that it was a right wing rally. And I'm like, well, where do you get the impression it was right wing if you didn't even listen to the speeches and you weren't at the rally? I'm sure did Sam Cedar told him that. Yeah, it's like, did you even watch the live stream events? Like, it wasn't just me who streamed it. Gray Zone streamed it. KRTD Media also streamed it. Shane from KRTD Media was there. Um, there were several people who who streamed this event ford fisher like again it, it wasn't just me so it's really weird to me it's like how can you label something as such and you you weren't there you didn't watch it and you're just using the same narrative as rachel maddow and and also for those of us in independent media when did we start listening to what rachel maddow says right yeah, and when when people said you know they felt unsafe going to the rally, like, do you think they meant physically or just because of various people's like ideology? Because I know there were some people there that were um, anti uh, LGBTQ. Because I I thought it meant unsafe in terms of ideology, not like like physical safety. Some people meant physical safety, believe it or not. 
Oh, okay. I didn't know that. Yeah. Some people meant physical safety. And I was just kind of like, what did you think was going to happen at a big open public? I mean, it's, it's not like we were in an isolated space. It's the Lincoln Memorial. There are tons of tourists that come through that way. And it's also kind of sad in a sense because some people are pretending like there this was just for white people that there were no black people there and that's kind of offensive to me because what are you saying about people like me courtney banks garland nixon uh the huru movement group was there and they they spoke in front of the white house so you have the african people socialist party like what are you saying about the rest of us the amount of people that i'm hearing saying well tosi gabber was there and ron paul was there they're just totally overlooking people like garland nixon who was also a speaker as if he he didn't exist. Oh, did did you get an opportunity to speak? I didn't speak. I was supposed to speak in front of the White House, but I got all this is on me. I I really did get kind of lost in the crowd in the sense that when we started walking over, I was doing interviews with people when I was walking there too, and then I ran into people and stopped and talked to people. So I actually didn't get to uh, speak at the White House. But part of that, that is one thing I think uh, maybe could change next time around. It seemed to be a little bit of confusion. Like once we got there, some people just didn't realize what exactly was going to happen when we got there. So I think that's a that's a part of it. Like some people didn't realize there were going to be speakers at the White House. So maybe like going forward, people could just speak at the same location instead of you know, having other people speak when we get to the White House. Because not everybody marched to the White House, unfortunately. But um, a good amount of people did come. That's how I ran into a lot of people, actually. Okay, I guess. Well, I'm still waiting for your detractors to have a rally. You know, I'm still waiting for uh, Anna Kasparian and Sam Cedar to have their anti-war rally in D.C. or L.A. Yeah, that's not going to happen. Uh, unfortunately, you know, when we had the uh, marches for Medicare for All. They didn't even mention it. Oh, yeah. They were saying uh, it's done by various white supremacists or various right-wingers. Um, but besides that, so I, have a, so I wanted to say something about what's happening in Ohio right now. Um, so do you think that w- one of the reasons why Biden and Mayor Pete aren't there uh, in East Palestine is because they're scared of the fumes? No, uh, Pete's there right now. I don't think it has anything to do with that. I think it has to do with the fact that they know that the Democrats no longer hold control over Ohio. They know that is a Republican state now. So they don't feel the need to really rush out there. Like it's been weeks and, and Pete Buttigieg is just now showing up and President Joe Biden is is in another country. Uh, so he considered that to be more important instead of the people that are, are suffering right now in East Palestine, Ohio. So the thing is, is like they know that the Democratic Party uh, doesn't have a stronghold there in Ohio anymore. So they're not even trying to entertain it. Uh, OK, yeah. So, OK, yeah, no, I thought it might be because they're scared, which is, I thought was weird because like it didn't make sense that. Donald Trump wasn't scared of, you know, various, uh, you know, uh, long-term effects he could have from going there. But Joe Biden and um, uh, Mayor Pete weren't or weren't scared. Yet. OK. And then uh, last thing, uh, did you uh, see uh, uh, Nina Turner defending uh, Joe Biden going to Ukraine on President's Day? Yeah, I saw that. I did okay. see that. No, I feel like that really broke my heart because she was talking about how Joe Biden's in Ukraine fighting for freedom. But see, this is exactly why progressives aren't winning anything and there aren't any uh, any amount of wins that we could have had is because at the end of the day, they go along with the Democratic uh, establishment that they're supposed to be there to oppose. So that's why we don't have any wins on the progressive side. I mean, 
what's the point of what's the point of even entertaining uh, a primary challenge to Joe Biden if the progressives or the so-called progressives that you have are just going to go along with Joe Biden anyway and defend him when they know that he is entirely uh, in the wrong here? What's the point? There is no point. Yeah, it was shocking to me because she was saying that oh, the, this war is all about freedom and you know Putin's the the uh, next Hitler or whatever you know. And I'm like, do you really think she like? Is it because you said you saw the clip? Uh, do you think like she really believed that what she said about how this war is about freedom? Because because I, I thought she was unbossed. No, I don't think she believes that. I think that she's saying what the TYT network is telling her to say. Because we already know where their position stands. This is why some people were unhappy with Nina when she took that position at TYT, because we already know what their talking points are. Yes, they will tell you to push for progressive issues, but at the end of the day, they're still going to back and defend the Democratic Party and some of these State Department uh, talking points. And right now, the State Department talking points is that the war between uh, Russia and Ukraine is justified and that Ukraine is in the right and we need to protect them at all costs. And it's really sad. And, and, and when you have people who are supposed to be progressives, who are supposed to push back against the Democratic establishment, and you have them have those same talking points as the Democrat establishment, it makes the progressive movement null. It makes it void. It's like it, it there's no reason for it. <laughs> it doesn't even really, you know, exist. Like one one spot where um Eric London and I did agree in the interview, he's uh, a journalist from the World Socialist website. We disagreed towards the end, but in the beginning, we did agree with the fact that the Democratic Socialists of America from the very beginning was an operation that is a part of the Democratic Party. It was never really meant to be anything else is to give the illusion to make people think that you're going to have this progressive branch that is going to change the Democratic Party when they know at the end of the day, they're going to go along with the Democratic leadership. So the change is never going to happen because the operation that was set in place was to keep people in the Democratic Party at all costs. And then you go back to vote blue for no matter who. And that's why nothing has really changed on the progressive side of things. That's why we're not getting progressive wins, because if you don't have those politicians pushing back on the Democratic leadership, then nothing is going to change for us. The Democratic Party, at the end of the day, still wants to be a corporate party, a corporation. And if you were to go along with some of those uh, progressive policies, that would really change the game because you would be holding corporations accountable, which is what they don't want to happen, especially if you look at something like Medicare for all. Now, this is something where David Pakman was correct on. And I talked about this a couple of days ago when David Pakman said the reason why we're not going to get Medicare for all. One of the reasons that he gave is the fact that the Supreme Court actually has to declare that private insurance is unlawful. And if the Supreme Court doesn't do that, you're not going to get Medicare for all. And that's one of the pieces that Bernie Sanders, and I've looked into that, that's one of the pieces that Bernie Sanders left out. Well, I, I definitely did see the David Packman video. And yeah, I thought that was a, yeah, I knew there was going to be all, because like the Supreme Court is there, you know, as another branch of the, of the ruling class, even though both parties pretend that they dislike it at times. Um, but, you know, I miss the angry Nina Turner, you know, and now she's just running cover for Joe Biden and saying he's fighting for freedom and he comparing him to FDR and, and, and that uh, uh, if and I, I hate it when she said that, oh, if America was invaded by another country, then we'd want uh, you, Ukraine to support us. 
even though we have the biggest military ever. Like, it just made no sense what she was saying. Like, why would Ukraine defend us? They wouldn't. They don't have the money and the resources to do so. That didn't make any sense. And the other thing, too, is is when you look at even what it's not just Nina Turner. Um, this is one of the, the pushbacks that came from Jordan Sheraton where Marianne Williamson interviewed with him. You know, Jordan was trying to explain to Marianne that Biden was trying to privatize Medicare. And she said, no, that's not true. And he had to correct her and say, well, no, David Sirota wrote a, an article about it. It is true. Like Marianne didn't even know that. And in a sense, Marianne was defending Joe Biden. And so that's that's the thing. If you're going to defend what Joe Biden's doing, then there's no point of you running against him, Marianne. If, if you are going to have the same position on Russia and Ukraine that he has, which she does have, if you're going to have the same position on Israel and Palestine and go with this two-state solution idea, then there's no point of you running against Joe Biden. Well, yeah, she's probably too busy in her Oprah bowl. I'm sure she has lots of celebrity friends that are okay with the duopoly. Uh, did you see her compare herself to the slave uh, uh, abolitionists and, and the suffragettes? I did. Oh, that was hilarious. Like, it wasn't hilarious, but it was just like, I, I don't know what's more offensive, that or, well, that, that is deeply offensive, but either that or Nina Turner saying that this war is about Joe Biden fighting for freedom. Like, those are, they're really competing to see who they can piss off more. Oh, that's that's the narrative with, with TYT. They're not going to let you stay on that network if you came on there and said what we're saying and said, stop giving billions of dollars to Ukraine, call for peace. They're not going to let you go with that. Mm-hmm. Oh, sorry, Karthik. I think I, I don't know what happened, but you dropped off there. All righty. Let's go ahead to Miss Brandy. Brandy, you are on the mic. What's up? Hello. You have to can you hear me? I can hear you. Okay. No, I thought the interview was good. And, you know, I've got friends that were not in support of the rally and then I've got friends that were there at the rally um there's some people I didn't care for that were involved with it but I live in the south we're surrounded by Trumpers I live hours from the KKK compound um there's sometimes times that you're going to organize with people you don't like and you just got to, I hate to say it, suck it up whenever it comes to this issue because I'm no Brana fan at all. I watched your live stream um, of it. I wish I could have been there, but I couldn't. Um, but Abel Noah Tomlinson was there. And doing Facebook live streams as well. And he's from my area here. And so he's putting on this Saturday a anti-war rally at our county courthouse in Fayetteville. So if anybody's in Oklahoma, Missouri, Kansas that can drive down, we're having one. Oh, awesome. This Saturday at 11. And he was up there in D.C. He's actually got a picture of you that he took when you were standing up there videoing the speakers. <laughs> so, but yeah. Um, so, no, I, I'm kind of annoyed 
there were some things said that I didn't care for, but I'm kind of annoyed with the everybody trying to pin sides. I supported the Medicare for All rallies. I tried to organize one. I was the one that was responsible for a location in Fayetteville, Arkansas. That was me. Nobody came out, but I was there by myself representing with a sign. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and I think uh, Max brought up some really good points is like uh, for the people who were coming after him or, and people were attacking me too, as if I was an organizer, Max wasn't an organizer. I wasn't an organizer. And it was really strange to me. It was just like to DM me and tell me not to go. I'm like, I I don't even know who you are. Like, it was just really weird to me. I'm like, you know, I'm a grown woman. I'm going to do what I want. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Um, No. So I've just, I've kind of, I mentioned a few things, like I've said that there's a few people involved in it that I don't care for, but I didn't sit there and say that people shouldn't be involved because, you know, there's, we're at high risk of a nuclear war right now. And that's something people need to consider. I've got kids. A lot of people have kids. Do you want your kids to have a future? I've got a grandchild on the way. Yeah, I think that's a really good. Do you want your kids to have a future? Do you want your grandkids to have a future? I think that's important. And I think that when we talk about something like coalition building, you Mm -hmm. know, it's difficult because there's all these parity tests now. And and that's a big part of the problem. Like, where were those parity tests like when we all decided to come together and support Bernie Sanders? I mean, it was just like you support these progressive policies we should support Bernie Sanders. Like that was pretty much, that was pretty much it. But now it's like, I mean, come on. Do you think that all the people who were at those Bernie rallies didn't have views or opinions that I may not have agreed with on everything? Everybody there was not a lefty. (laughs) That's what I want people to understand. Yeah. Everybody there was not a lefty. Some of them did not agree on the social issues for people who don't know, some of them did not agree on the social issues, but it seemed like back then it was okay to say it's all right because we agree on these issues, but now it's not okay to say we agree on this issue. Let's go to this rally together. Now it's not okay to do that. Yeah. And you see, I was a third party voter. Bernie is the reason why I even was involved with the democratic party for the two years I was. And it was my compromise. He was literally the compromise. And so, yeah, Madeline Hoffman was there. Um, she's the one that's about to move to Columbia. And then Noah was, was there, um, Abel. But, you know, I'm very pro-trans rights. That's one thing that we're fighting here in our state. We've got Sarah Huckabee Sanders for our governor. I don't want Trump back in, mm-hmm. but I don't want Marianne and I don't want Biden. So I've gone full blown back to being third party and this time it's third party only. I'm not sacrificing my values because we all deserve better than what we're getting. I totally hear you there. From either party. Yeah. So. I, I, tot- I totally hear you there. 
I think it's it's really I think it's it's really upsetting to me for people who weren't at the rally to make it seem like it was something that it wasn't. And it's like yeah. those of us who were there, it, we're not being asked. Like nobody, nobody has contact with the exception, pasta from Convo Couch asked me to come on. I came on to talk about the rally. Bree contacted me, or excuse me, the Hill uh, producer contacted me, but I think it was Bree that that uh, requested it, asked me to come on Rising yeah. and talk about the rally. Other than that, all these people criticizing the rally, none of those people have reached out to me or Courtney Banks or Garland Nixon or any of the other Black people, the Uhuru movement, that were, none there. Of us that were there. None of them have reached out to us and asked us about this rally. No, and that's one of the things, you know, I can understand some people from blue states thinking, oh, we don't need to organize with these other people. Well, when you're in a red state, it's kind of different. The Democrats here only get like 30 to 35 percent of the vote of the people who vote because 50 percent of our state doesn't vote at all. Sarah Huckabee Sanders won governor off 25 percent of adults in our state voted for her because she got the majority of the votes, but only 25% of adults in our state voted for her. There you go. That's how bad it is. And that's the reason why we're red. And I did, I've actually gone on my personal YouTube from a show that I was on with Joe Firestone. Um, I explained the history the electoral history of Arkansas, going back to before the Clintons. And we used to be a blue state. But after mm-hmm. the Clintons, after all that mess, and then the letdowns from Obama, we went solid red in 2014. And a Democrat has not been able to win a higher seat in our state than a state rep or a state senator based off the district. Yeah. For people who are not aware, for people who may be younger in the chat, Bill Clinton won some of the Southern states that are now red states. Like, I think he won like Mississippi too. It was, yeah, Arkansas, Mississippi. I think he may have won Louisiana as well. Well, he was our governor here in Arkansas too. So. It was very different back then. Very different how he was able to just, when those states and like Nick from RBN, like my comrade Hilton, He's in Missouri. Yeah. yeah, exactly. It's it's a red I, state. Yeah, I love Nick. Um, between Abel, Nick, and then Madeline Hoffman, that's where I've learned most of what I have on foreign policy. And we talk a lot about Palestine with me and D. And Madeline's on there all the time because she's actually been there on the ground. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, it's just, it's crazy, but people don't realize they want to sit there and criticize red states. Typically we're a red state for a reason. It's because people have given up on the process because they've been let down by both parties and they just don't show up. We're literally not only a red state, but we're a non-voting state. And that's going to continue until somebody steps up that gives people reason to show up and vote. But why are you going to go vote 
and miss a day's worth of wages that could be your gas for the next week to be able to get you back and forth to work for a politician that's not doing anything for you. We wonder why people in Ohio were so excited to see Trump after all that stuff was brought in. And Biden's in Ukraine holding hands with Zelensky. Yep. Yep. They've given up on them. I think, I mean, I think you brought up some really interesting points because the thing is, is this, is that people have been let down time and time again, at least by the electoral system. And I think that people have to take into consideration. I think if you live in a blue state, it's really easy, you know, to say, don't organize with people that you disagree with. But I think for people who live in red states, like I know I lived in South Carolina at one point, it's, it's very much a red state. You have to understand mm-hmm. that most of the people that I was around are conservative. So for yeah. you to tell me not to talk to my neighbor, well, then I'm not going to be talking to too many people because even the Democrats in South Carolina are conservative Democrats for the most part. Oh, yeah. The Dems here still are. I call them Clintonites. and that's the reason why they lose is because they're still stuck in that mindset from the 1990s Mm -hmm. that this is how politics work like I've talked to them on different things that I've tried to help organize with and Lately, I haven't been able to do much because of my health issues. And like right now, I'm having to see a cardiologist. But the thing is, is they're always putting up the argument, we can't go too far left. Right. We have to work with them. We have to work with the Republicans. We have to work with the conservatives. We have to try to get conservative voters to vote for us. And it's like, As long as you've got that mindset, you're not going to win because you're not going to win the non-voters. You're right. You're not going to get them to show up. You're right. I want to bring neither of them have delivered. Mm -hmm. I want to bring in Noel. I want to go ahead and bring you in um, for this part of this conversation as well. Good evening, Sabrina and all the people in the chat. Um, First of all, let me say I thought the Max Blumenthal interview was interesting. Um, I was kind of um, put off because I thought he was almost as heavy handed with the people who were critical of the rage against the war machine as some of the other people have been about the actual event itself. And it occurs to me that everybody has an Everybody is in this defensive space and in the same token, everybody is willing to be heavy handed and, you know, attack or critique everybody else. And so it just turns into a type of chaos and confusion. But again, what I what I heard and was clear was when he said he he knew Jackie Lukeman personally and that he had spoken to her. And so. But he was still very resistant to hearing her issues. Now, the reality is whether you agree or disagree with people's disenchantment about how that rally was organized, they have a right, a legitimate right to feel the way that they do. 
There is yeah. a difference wanna, between people who... I just want to, um, sorry, not to interrupt you, but I just want to mention this really quick. Uh, he did ask, I did ask him if he's willing to have the conversation. He said she rejected it. So this this dialogue that um, I'm referring to, it took place on Twitter. And then also uh, Black Power Media had a stream where they talked about it. And the dialogue also took place between Max and Jackie on Twitter. So he did say tonight in the interview that he was willing to have the discussion with her and she said no. But he also said that she said if there was some way that this rally could bring the, the war in Ukraine to an end, those people would not be with us to dismantle this capitalist government. And then he made some comment about, oh, people, you know, have their reasons and they don't want to participate. And then they want to go back to some of their other issues as if he had prioritized what was most important for her. And the reality is, you know, we have different levels of investiture in this nation. And when you when we talk about um the crisis in Ukraine and whatever is going over there being an, you know, an almost an invitation to a nuclear war and it's an existential threat. We have to accommodate that living in this country for some of us is an existential threat as it is. And so, you know, clearly Jackie and her alliance understands that the real issue here, we talk about the issue being this, you know, latest war being funded by the U.S. between um, Ukraine and Russia, which everybody knows the expansion of NATO facilitated. But the real underlying issue here is this capitalist, hegemonic, white supremacist government. And so mm -hmm. we can we can organize and we can have rallies and say, oh, stop funding Ukraine. Oh, advocate for peace between Ukraine and Russia. But where does that leave us? Some of us will go back to nice lives and some of us, again, will be still fighting for some of the same things that we've been fighting for since we've been here. And yeah. it it occurs to me that there is you know, a divergence in this nation, especially on what would be the left, because there's so many issues that have been attended to or played with by the left, but there is no integrity. So people are looking for credibility and people are looking at the organizers and some of the people who spoke and said, well, they're not credible. They're going just like Trump going to East Palestine. Some people in that crowd in East Palestine were cheering, oh, we're glad you didn't forget us, this and that. But those mm -hmm. of us in a different parameter were saying, child, he ain't halfway serious. And all he's <laughs> doing this for is a political thing. And once he's gone, he's gone. He didn't go to Flint and he didn't go to Jackson. And so we see it from a different perspective. But for the people yeah. on the ground, they're saying, oh, we're glad you're here, this and that, you see us, this and that. And so what I realize is that our understandings, our perspectives um, about who's credible in certain actions versus who's not 
All of those things are factoring in and they become points of division because we really aren't willing to hear and elevate other people's concerns and say, you know what, you're right. Let's advocate for peace. Let's stop the funding of this Ukrainian skirmish. And after that, let's fight the real other issues. You know, it makes no, if we had had any legitimate, credible coalitions and alliances through this nation's history, do you think the descendants of slaves would still be in the 21st century fighting to get and hold on to some of the things that we've been fighting for since we got here? And no, just like, and you know, just like Martin Luther King said, at a certain point, you realize that the moderates and the liberals and all these other people are only credible to a degree that it doesn't infringe upon the way they live. And the reason Donald Trump was able to dissect the electorate the way he did is because he realized that with the Republicans, there was a strong contingent of white people who, if you can give them some assurance that you can make things better for them, they don't give a damn whether things get better for the rest of the country. And mm-hmm. so he played that. And it was it was it really resonated with me because when he was in East Palestine, you actually could hear somebody say, oh, thank you for not forgetting us. Thank you for being here, this and that. And I'm saying to myself, but where's the advocacy for you to now go to Flint? We're we're all concerned just about ourselves. And unfortunately, that is the game that the elites play to keep the masses of poor and working poor focused on themselves and not delivering anything to anybody. And that's that's how the, the system, the overarching system keeps us under thumb. Because it's always there to divide and make us focus on the things that we have different versus the things that we have in common. And if there is to be a coalition or an alliance, at some point, I have to be willing to see my neighbor's issues and say, you're right. The system is doing this to you. And, you know, I have no doubt that if the broad cross-section of white working class and poor working um, white America would say, you know what? The descendants of slaves in this country have been dealt a wrong hand. They never got repaired and we support that. There would be no issue, I think, in black people and descendants of slaves and everybody else saying, and now we take on the whole system because you know what? Everybody has been dealt a harsh hand. When Mm -hmm. corporate America, go ahead. I want to say um, there, I think some of it, there, there was something to miss there. Like, I don't know if you guys remember, but I did ask Max, I was like, why is it that Code Pink told uh, Medea Benjamin that she couldn't speak, but they let Ann Wright speak, who's also Code Pink. So there, there's more that goes into this. And then the next rally, which is uh, in March, is Code Pink. And I think Jackie uh, is a part of that one as well. And I support like both rallies. That's the thing. Like I promoted both of those rallies on my show and I'll continue to promote, you know, the one in March as well, just like I did the one for Rage Against the War Machine. Um, But I think what I don't like is for me, if I were on the other side and I was not for this Rage Against the War Machine rally, 
and I was for the other one, then now that this rally is over, I would be putting my attention and focus into promoting that next rally. Because if you still keep talking about this Rage Against the War Machine rally, it's actually taking away, it's taking away the the views of the next one that's coming up. Like that one's not really getting much exposure because people are still focusing on. So that's why I think the thing is for me, what was weird to me about it was, was the whole, uh, we don't align with racist right-wing people. And that's why when I asked the guy that came on from World Socials, what did I say? What racist people? What are you talking about? So some of the talking points were the same talking points that Rachel Maddow had. There were no proud boys at that rally. And so what I think should have happened, you know, I know obviously Jackie and Max obviously know each other. So my thing was, if if you know each other, like why not just have had this conversation privately instead of it being like a public thing? But you know, that article was written and things kind of took off from there. Now, here's the thing. Let me tell you what's happening right now. Now, people are starting to criticize the rally that's happening in March. See, this is what happens when, see, now people have done a little bit of digging and they found out that some of the organizations that are a part of the rally in March, when you talk about capitalism and capitalists, one of the organizations is funded by Goldman Sachs. So see, like, this is something I felt like that wouldn't have even been, people probably wouldn't have even gone that far to look for that. But I think that because they're like, wait a minute, these people are attacking this rally and they're telling people to go to this other one instead. So now people are attacking the other rally. And this is why I said before, from my experience in this space, it doesn't even matter who the speakers are. Because I've seen it, even with the marches for Medicare for all, the same people who said they support Medicare for all, they shit all over those rallies. Like we could have way more people. They smeared it. They called it all kinds of names. They said, you guys are with right wing people and and all this kind of stuff. It was really, really bad. I'm surprised it actually even continued, to be honest. It was really bad. So I think that I've seen it happen with every event. People smeared the Julian Assange event and said, why are people coming out to support Julian Assange? There's no black people there. When half the speakers were black, Noel. But here's the important point. So what we understand from everything you've said is that when there are events, there are going to be people who, for whatever their reasons, legitimate or not, they're going to smear these things. But the important thing is that the event goes on and it goes on in spite of. Because the bottom line is, if you speak to the real needs of the masses, they will respond. So, and that's the point that I, that my position has always been. If you want to go to this rally, if you're okay with these people, then you go. I personally don't have a stake in speaking out against it, but I have my right to say, ooh, that's not my orbit of people who I want to be organized with. On the flip side, the next group, Code Pink or whoever, they get to organize, they put on a rally. Some of the people who um, were at the first rally may support their rally too. Some of the people from the first rally may say, well, oh, no, I'm not going to organize with them or I'm not going to support that. And that's okay. But if if everybody is really 
consistent and concerned about the war, then if you have 50 different organizations or 50 movements saying, let's stop the war, then that's a loud, consistent voice saying, let's stop the war. It doesn't have to come from the same event of the same people all the time. Because the reality is the underlying issues that cause division amongst people in this country are real. And for some people, there, you know, there's a different severity. For some people, it's like, oh, okay, I can overlook that and go ahead and dis. But for some people, like, oh no, not for me. But that's okay. Because the big issue here, if it's being against the war, it's being against the war. And if I can't organize with you because I think you're, you know, anti-trans or anti-black or anti-anything else, that's okay. But I know when, it, because like Jackie said, when we go forward, those people are not going to be our allies. And so some people see being on a platform, speaking with someone else as an indication that there's some type of an alliance. And for people who did not know about the organization of that event, the the under, perception would have been, oh, these people were all at the rage against the war, so they're all in an alignment. But we know that's not quite the case. But right. that is perception. So it's, like I say, if you're concerned about raging against the war, then rage from wherever you are at, whatever group you're in, whatever organizations you're in. And, you know, like I say, people have freedom of speech. If they don't like that group, they get the right to say it, this and that. But as long as you continue to do what you do, then that's how we get this thing to shift. And at some point, if we're going to save ourselves from what this country is, we're going to have to at some point have these discussions about the other things. Or we're going to be the Hatfields and the McCoys who just, you know, tear each other apart. <laughs> well, I'm glad that uh, Ajamu uh, Baraka is willing to have uh, the conversation with them. I'm, I'm glad, you know. Me too. going to have that discussion. Me Go too. Ahead, yeah, and kind of piggyback, piggybacking on what Noelle's saying, there's, um, I, you know, my view, I'm always, you know, harping on about demands and you know i what i'm saying and what i'd like to really see us make a real point of is, is focusing on demands and not on individuals and personalities and 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 the people and you know in the arguments or whatnot this rally you know had a great set of demands um you know, it was it was of course end the war. You know, it was cut the Pentagon budget. You know, it was just a really great set. And so, you know, if if the Code Pink rally has a good set of demands, um, then I think we should all get on board with that rally. Mm -hmm. And then, in terms of of the the larger the, the larger issues, um, you know, if you look at the stuff I've been up to with with eleven demands, I, I've tried to make them really kind of holistic in terms of, of the, the core problems and, and trying to focus in on, on the root of the problem, which is the money. And so, you know, what I think is, is we should really try to make a serious attempt, you know, as our own little lefty group here of of having our own movement and our, and our own rallies. I mean, you know, based on 
a set of demands that we've collaborated on. And my intent isn't that it's, you know, the ones I've come up with, but, I, you know, the ones that we've come up with and collaborated on. But I, I think we're going to have to just start doing some of this stuff ourselves I and not so. just waiting for, you know, the, the next great rally organized by someone else. Yeah. yeah. Go ahead, Brandy. Oh, oh sorry. Oh, I'm sorry. I wanted I wanted to say before we okay. forgot was um, the the Mapper rally tomorrow. Um, yes. We didn't really we didn't really plug that, but but Massachusetts Peace Action is having several rallies. It's going to be kind of a tough one. It's going to be cold, and it, and it's at noon tomorrow. But but still, you know, get out there if you can. This is they're in Boston, in Worcester, um, in Northampton. There was one other place. But that's a Massachusetts Peace Action. If you're in Massachusetts, if you if you search up Massachusetts Peace Action, you'll you'll find them. Right. Let's that's go tomorrow. That's right. I forgot to mention that. Um, I'm gonna go ahead and finish up with you, Brandy, and then we're gonna bring in uh, Sterling, who's the next caller. Go ahead. That's fine. I just wanted to respond to Noel. I think she brought up an excellent point about Trump not going to Flint and not going to Jackson. And I think that that's something we need to point out because I think a lot of these primarily small white communities, which I live in, we don't, well, not, I'm not saying we, but the majority of the people don't realize what's going on in those other areas because it's not on the mainstream news. So it's not, not in their face. Um, I think that we need to point out more the fact that Trump not doing those things when he could have done those things, because mm -hmm. I think what hit hard was people seeing it in a white community being hit by something like this. Mm -hmm. Whereas, and it's, wasn't covered at first, but now it's starting to be covered a little bit more. So I think that's an excellent point to bring up is say, now you guys care about this. You need to stand with us on these other two and all the other communities. Cause I mean, we've got a city page called Brownwater Prairie Grove because mm. of the issues that we have here. And I think it's all over. And I think we really need to stand together and hold each other up and hold each other accountable. Well said, Brandy. Thank you so much for calling in. All right. I'm going to have a good night. Thank you so much. I'm going to bring in Sterling. You are on the mic. Fabby. Oh, my gosh. I can't believe I'm actually talking to you. I'm first time caller, but I've been listening for a really long time. And I'm actually really excited to be doing this. Um, what was interesting about what she was just saying um, and what Noelle was addressing, that's, that only happens when we are this divided. I mean, it's basically um, Democrats are going to rush to help poor whites right now. And Republicans aren't going to help generally anybody. But obviously, they're going to make a point to their constituents of not, I mean, we are just so incredibly divided. I think it's one of the saddest things um, and completely immoral for a country that likes to act like we're so, you know, Christian nation. The whole thing makes me nuts. Um, and another thing Brandy said, in a true democracy, Election Day would be, in my opinion, a paid federal holiday. Mm -hmm. I mean, there is no way in hell in a democracy, everybody shouldn't just be so free to vote. You should be able to go to the corner and vote. Um, so yeah, I'm, ugh. anyway, as far as, um, the rally, um, for seven months, many of us, you included 
have been completely freaking over this this war because we know that this is complete BS and it just a fleecing of the American tax dollar. I mean, taxpayer. And I was shocked. I mean, first I was so happy there was going to be a rally. And then it was like, what's happening? I mean, suddenly it, everybody was completely losing their mind. And I was like, I, I don't, I'm not an organizer. I had no idea what was happening. I was just so happy that people were coming together. And, you know, as far as Rachel Maddow, when she said weird people, she kept commenting about weird groups of people. And I was like, honey, those are freaking Americans. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know what bubble you're living in, but we're Americans and we come from all kinds of backgrounds. We have all different opinions based on how we were raised. I mean, you don't, I can't force somebody. I, I can't, I can't make somebody believe something. You know, if I'm raised in a certain way, I'm going to believe a certain way, but the only way we're going to, you know, maybe change somebody's mind is if we get together as Americans nothing else. Right now, our America and democracy are in huge trouble. As far as the Bill of Rights are concerned, we have every right to get rid of this government because they are not doing anything for the people. So when it became all of this other stuff, I was like, okay, whoa, what in the hell is happening here? But I was so glad that it, you know, really was a, a great thing that, fi- and maybe these things just have to happen, you know, until we can find out who we are. Um, and I do believe that that these some things do need to happen. And that the funny thing, and probably not obviously funny to you, Noel, um, that Jackson Hinkle was like, he gave this like big, I don't know if you saw it, Sabby. I woke up one morning on YouTube was Jackson Hinkle and he's like making a big announcement. And I was like, okay, this should be interesting. And it was <laughs> that he wasn't going to the, but he's been so funny lately because I think he's doing his, you know, he's just trying to find himself. I, Jackson does a great job, I think, as far as reporting on Russia. He can get some really good stuff there. Uh, But he's young and he's like, I'm so confused every time I watch him. I don't know if he's a socialist or like, I don't even know. But he said that he was bringing security to the rally. And I'm like, what? This is the day day everybody's freaking out. And I'm like, you're bringing what in the world? And he's like, yeah, I'm being called. And so Max Blumenthal had it great. I mean, he didn't give that two seconds. He's like, basically he doesn't need security. Like he's like, don't be ridiculous. Jackson. (laughs) That's like the stupidest thing I've ever heard. And anyway, it's just got, it's been kind of funny, but I do think, um, people are really just trying to find themselves. America's still trying to, you know, to find her identity. Um, and I think that's been happening since the election of Obama. And I knew it would, I said, boy, we're going to see our true colors now. And we have, and hopefully, um, at some point I'm, I don't know, even to be hopeful sometimes, because this just seems to get so crazy, the hate. Um, I don't know. I'm just definitely still of, you need to go as an American if you give a shit about America and you don't want us to all die and you care about where your tax dollars are going. But other than that, I don't know what to tell you, because I think to see a bunch of Americans there would actually be a beautiful thing. And I was, and I thought that rally was a beautiful thing. Yes, there could have been definitely, um, from what I saw from TV, um, more representation of different Americans, for sure. But it's the first freaking rally. Yeah, what I, I think, think. Go ahead. I think that um, one of the pieces, and Max mentioned it again tonight, and I mentioned it the other night. One of the pieces that a lot of people did not realize is that some of the speakers actually reached out to the organizers and asked if they could be a speaker. And I think that is key for people to really understand because. But what were they told? That sure. Apparently so. Yeah, apparently so. Now, it's it's different depending on different organizations, different things. I mean, when I spoke at the Assange rally in October, the organizers. Yeah, you go, girl. 
Yeah, the organizers did that. But, you know, different people, different things. But I think the thing is, is that um, I think people kind of saw it as though, okay, all this, it looks like almost all the speakers are white. I think one of the things that didn't help is that uh, one of the speakers, Supreme from uh, Wu-Tang Clan affiliation, he didn't show up. So I, I don't know what happened there, but he didn't show And then another thing, something happened. I don't know what happened to the video that Cynthia McKinney uh, sent, but that wasn't shown at the rally. I knew there was one prior to the rally, but there wasn't one shown of her at the rally. Um, But there was one of Roger Waters. I don't know what happened with that. But I think the thing, so at at the end of the day, it ended up just being Garland Nixon, you know, as as the Garland. Yeah, as the African American speaker. But it's, 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 you know, I think the thing is, like you said, like it was the first one. I mean, people learn, right? You you do one and then you learn. It's just like with us at RBN, the very first summit that we did, the General Strike Summit, you know, that was a learning lesson for us. We were like, okay, next time, maybe we don't need to do this from morning to night. So we got better with the summits as, as time went on after we had more practice. So I think that, you know, look, I'm not close with a lot of people like i'm not friends with everybody like obviously you guys know my story with nick brana so that's got totally crazy i don't exactly you know and i'm not a huge yeah. fan either i was like oh, i don't know if he's really the person you want to be leading a third party that could be so incredibly important but you know i don't i'm, I'm not involved with you guys enough to say but i don't know what i don't know your personal thing with nick brana but i know a few women have or a couple of women had but was it over that well, no, I interviewed him about the al- about allegations that were against him and about um, right. complaints at, at MPP and stuff like that. So we are not on good terms. Like, obviously, okay. it's very, it's very okay. clear that we are, work- we are, we are not good. on good terms. And we that's haven't had That's really so key, though. You know where each other stands. You, you don't yeah, agree with his I mean, answers. Like, that's great. But the, the thing is, is like, because there, because there were so many people, it's not like it's not like we even had to cross paths and that's what people uh, may not understand because yeah. so I was in a different area and, and all that kind of stuff. And, and even when I went to Jimmy's show, which was the night before that event, same thing. It was like, I didn't speak to, I still didn't get to speak to all the speakers. Like I wanted to try to get a quick interview with Kim Iverson, but I got all messed up because yeah, Eric's okay. my producer. Eric wasn't there because Eric had a, um, a family thing. Um, so I was, I was the producer and the host. So yeah. I really couldn't leave the equipment. That was, but the if thing. you ran so, into him, how would you have acted? Would it have been that big a deal? Like, I mean, we like, pretty much avoid each other, yeah. <laughs> but I mean, that's it. It's like, it's not yeah. that big. Do you avoid each other? You see each other. You're not, it's not going to be, you know, a big issue for you. You move no. on. We're here for something else. There's a higher purpose here. And, um, yeah, but the other thing I wanted to address on this as far as, um, you know, what we're finding now with between black and white and when I was listening last week and um, Norman Finkelstein was um, the topic um, and I and the woman I think who's online behind me, if you want to have her, you know, come in, come in and discuss this, too. Um, you know, she was upset with Norman and uh, which I was shocked by because, but I'm white. I follow Norman and I just think he's so fantastic what he's trying to do. And he's kind of dedicated his whole life to it. And that, you know, he would never let somebody black move, live into his neighborhood. And I started thinking about, you know, when I was growing up, so much of New York was all basically neighborhoods. 
I mean, seriously, like strong neighborhoods. And um, I lived right next to Little Italy and not far from Chinatown in Manhattan. So um, I think, I don't know that he wouldn't welcome it, but I think they would maybe think it was weird. But I don't think that, I think that after um, Obama, people are still getting used to so much um, necessary, obviously, because you have to have representation. Um, I don't think anybody intentionally is leaving people out. And if they are, then, I mean, I don't even know what to say about that. But I just can't see that of Norman. I just, I don't know, maybe because I do like him so much and appreciate what he tries to do and how hard he works. And, you know, he teaches free classes at night at libraries and things. So I, I it just was mm-hmm. kind of surprising. And um, I think, you know, maybe white people are concerned that um, I don't want to be painted with a broad brush. I don't. I don't. I, when I hear things like, you know, we don't trust white people. Look, I totally understand that. And I understand. I, I, I can't relate. I mean, I can never walk in your shoes exactly, but I can't even imagine the horrors. And I, and I talk about this constantly. I write about it constantly. I write letters about it constantly. But I feel like there's like, you know, some of the conversations that I hear, it's just a blanket statement of white people. And I, I know a lot of really good concerned white people. So that is just something, you know, when I think when you can kind of sometimes get in an echo chamber, um, I, I, I try to be broad, um, that that kind of stuff can happen. But I know you guys know um, there's a lot of people that think it's really horrific what the hell is happening in this country. I've got a neighbor two doors down who works for um, the ACLU and he's writing letters constantly about police violence and he's white. So um, I don't know. I just was kind of like a little freaked out about that because I don't listen to your show often because I just miss it because you actually because I'm older and you're on late. Yeah. And, um, With Norm. I mean, really, I'm, and actually, I'm like, oh, my God, I'm so tired. I'm, I'm just going to um, say this really quick so people know okay. um, yeah. I'm actually going to be having a debate with Norm uh, well, in March. Then. Someone um, that organized a conference, which is scheduled in June. Uh, both of us apparently were a part of are a part of that conference and they saw that episode. And they reached out to me and asked me, would I be okay with debating Norm about that issue? Because he was horrible on that. He was horrible on that issue. On what issue? Oh, I missed it. On what issue? He said that he said that white people are just a smidge above black people. There's some other things he said too. Oh yeah, there's some other things he said too. No, he had this conversation with Aaron Mate on the gray zone. Ooh, I missed that. Yeah, he I, there. There's definitely some blind spots there, and I, okay. I for me, I was like, "Oh no, this is not this is not correct, Norm. This is incorrect." And, and good for him that he would he would actually address it because somebody else might be a coward. But he and he and you know what though? I think he's like I think he's open enough that he would say, "Yeah, that was really messed up." Because I can't imagine him defending that. How the hell he would wrote, you defend he that? A, he wrote a book about it. He wrote a book saying that white people were better than black people. Is no, he said that white people are a smidge above black people. Well, base, that's basically the same thing. I mean, what does he mean by that? <laughs> I, I think and he what meant. What does I, that mean? I'm sorry, part my French. I, I think he meant economically. Oh, it's still well, dead I mean, wrong. That's not. But well, I think that's, a, that's what he meant. Okay, but that's and that might be a fact, but that's a fact because of how it's the system is set up. And I think if we're to be clear, he was actually making an analogy about people in college today living in the same rental house or in the same dorm room and today as opposed to the 60s when he was you know matriculating today you can have a situation where black and white people would be roommates and the black and white person would the white person just may be a smidge above the black everything is context 
But here's mm. the thing, and I wanted okay. to speak to this specifically, Sterling, to what you were saying. When you say, um, when you understand or you hear people say, oh, white people. Mm -hmm. And, you know, speaking for myself, I when I say, oh, white people, this and that, it is a hasty and a broad generalization. But what we're really trying to say is that this nation has been ruled by white America since the beginning. Now, we know that all of white America has not participated in the construction of this system in the same levels. We know that poor white Americans have suffered too. But the one mm. thing we can say about all white Americans is that there is a base level of white privilege that extends to all of white America, including immigrants, whether or not they realize it or acknowledge it. But when Without we come question. To, uh huh. And so when we when you hear things like people say, oh, white people, this that's really what they're trying to get to. It's like white people have to own this system because black people and especially the descendants of slaves, we've been lobbying, marching, pushing, screaming, hollering since we've been here. But the system never changes. And so we're saying if the system that is dominated by white people does not change substantively for everybody else, especially people of color, then white people in general have to own this. And that's why my appeal is to the white and working If white and working class white America was as stringent and as forceful across the board about what happens to poor others, we wouldn't be in this situation. If the people in East Palestine were as outraged about Flint and Jackson, by the time East Palestine happened, there would be more of a unified coalescing voice because we would see that these things are happening to all of us poor people without regards to color. And that's how we build that coalition. But, you know, the reality is, and this is the thing Trump tapped into, if you can get poor white people to believe that their interests in this nation will be elevated above blacks and other people, they'll go with it. They'll go with it. They won't say, oh, hold on, Mr. Trump. You can't say that we, we're all together. As long as he's speaking to them, they're good. And it's like, oh, okay. And just like, mm -hmm. you know, the thing with, um, the people speaking with, and, and I'll be glad to hear from Lucy when they were trying to speak to Hakeem Jeffries and hold his feet to the fire. The establishment just ignores you. It ignores us. And so without that broad coalition, we're going to continue to have people like Rachel Maddow come out and oh, do what she can to control the narrative and frame it as being weird and small and this and that. And for the people who don't tune into independent media, that's what they're going to tune into, just like the people who tune into Fox. We have a situation now where the people who actually work at Fox are being exposed for knowing that Trump's allegation that the results of the last election were false was BS. But they still went on TV every night 
and spewed lies to vulnerable people who believe them. So with the failures, with the Democrats just tricking everybody and the Republicans doing the same, I just really don't see where we have a chance unless we can come through some of these divisions and really find, like Maya Angelou says, we're more like my friends than we're unalike. And the thing that's most threatening about this nation, it may get me first, but when I'm gone, it's going to get you. Very true. No argument for me. My whole thing is when, because basically what you're saying as far as the coalition and the importance of numbers, this is what I keep saying to people. The numbers are really important. Bernie Sanders scared the shit out of the establishment. I mean, I'm sorry. Yep. There's no other way to put it. And if they see numbers like that, you better be looking out for absolutely infiltrators. I mean, they're going to be throwing everything you can possibly imagine, imagine at us. And we have to stay together. And my concern is if I'm just hopping in on a, you know, a, on, on a show and suddenly I'm hearing those white people, that is concerning. I, if you could just change it to some white people. I mean, that would make perfect sense to me. Um, I'm constantly calling out white people. I mean, constantly. And even saying, well, I mean, I even, people are like, I don't even, I'm like, I don't even like white people. You know, they're so bad right now. And it's nothing, but I am white. And I can't, there's nothing I can do to change that. And there are good white people. But when you do it, when you just look at what has, like you were just saying, Noel, what has been happening in this nation since its founding? You know, it, and it has been white people. But I think a lot of people are really, really aware of that. And I think we're just trying to figure out how we are going to how are we going to do this and really live together since Obama. And I think a lot of people are still really struggling, but it was never going to happen overnight. But we're never going to do it divided in any way, shape or form. It's just never going to happen. And I just hope, was hoping, really, really, really hoping that somehow we can come together as Americans and say, this government doesn't care if we die. <laughs> And they're well, taking was, our and they're taking our money. Well, Tons I was hoping I was honestly hoping, uh, Sterling, that all of us on the left would have come together for the marches for Medicare for all. But that didn't happen. Uh, and leftists actually smearing the damn event. Yeah, like it's just it's that's a part of the division is that. But you know what some of These people, these people are going to be divided until more and more people start coming. And I well, really the, believe that some of the some of these people are not bout about it, Sterling. <laughs> yeah, well, that's okay. I don't care as long as we have the numbers. And but as long as you have the numbers, I don't really care. What is always concerning now is that they are really just begging for there to be a conflict and any kind of violence, because then they're going to swoop down and get rid of it. And, you know, so I mean, that's just key. They're waiting for that. They have armed all of us for that reason. And I am thoroughly convinced of that, that this is all by design, all of the all of the division every bit of it uh, and we have to not let them win because if because of this it's almost like they've already won with i agree infighting. they've yeah. sown enough seeds of dissension Amen. they have the everyday americans armed to the gills yes. we have mass shootings look like every other week they don't care they're not At going all. to do anything because it's not guns pointed to them when January 6th happened and they were threatened, oh, they moved on that. Mm -hmm. But oh, as yeah. long as and it's us getting shot at the it. grocery stores, they don't care. They're still victims of and it. We it's can't, like, I'm like, how are you the victims in this? And we still <laughs> can't even, them. even on the gun issue, we can't even come together on that. So that's another thing. But Sterling, thank you so much for yeah. calling in. I'm going to go to uh, Delphia. Let um, Norman debate. All right, I will. All right, thanks, Abby. 
All right, bringing on Delthea. Miss Delthea, you're on the mic. What's up? You're unmuted, but we can't hear you. Can you hear me? I can hear you we now. Can hear me. Okay. Yeah. Hi, everybody. Um, oh, you're breaking up I a little bit, Delthea. Yeah, you're breaking up a little bit. I can hear you, but you're breaking up. Hold just a second. Can you hear me at all? I can hear you, but you're you're breaking up. Can you hear me now? I can hear you. Try it again. Barely. I, I, can you hear me now? I can hear you, but you're breaking up a little bit. I'm let me um, let me go ahead and go to Lucy, and then I'll, I'll let me go to Lucy, and I'll come back to you. Yeah, you're you're yeah you're breaking up. Let me go to um Lucy, and I'll come back to you. Lucy, um, go ahead. You're a speaker. Just got to unmute. I'll come back, Delthea. All right. Um, Hi, everybody. Um, I just, uh, um, I wanted to let you know, uh, I, I wanted to give a, like a, a quick comment about Hakeem. I'm sorry to divert from the whole war rally conversation, but, um, I just wanted to say, because, uh, um, when I took the video of Janet, who's actually on this call right now, um, she's in line, um, that uh, CUNY was actually probably, like, out of the events that I've been so far, um, one of the ones that gave me the most hope. <laughs> um, because the, 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 basically the ones that I went to before, you can hear me, right? I, I don't know if I have, like, my earphones in. Yeah. Okay. Um, CUNY is... Uh, you know, I, I don't know why. Maybe it's because it's like the state college or, you know, there's younger people. There's people that are younger. So it wasn't like the same feeling of, you know, whatever, just go home and shut up that I got with the people, the older people at the other town hall. Um, and it also, like, I went to another one that was at Sarah Lawrence, which is a private college. And over there, the people were very dismissive. Um, and there were a few people that were dismissive at CUNY, but, and, and it is true that, like, they were kind of sitting down. But I didn't hear any negative, like, hugely negative comments. Um, and actually, we had, there was, like, one student that was like, yeah, and um, he got kicked out with us. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so I just, uh, I thought it, like, it just gave me a lot of optimism to see the the students at CUNY, and there was even one girl that, like, followed us outside, and she was like, oh, can, you know, I'm a, I'm a journalism student, and um, could you, like, explain to me a little bit more about what's going on? So she was actually really interested in hearing her si our side, and she came out with, her like, her notepad, and she was so cute. Um, and uh, I just, I really, you know, if Roger wants to continue this whole independent registration strategy, I, you know, I really like the students at CUNY. Some of them were a little bit like, 
you know, still propagandized, but the majority, um, you know, seemed really smart and really open-minded. Um, and this was a, a graduate school at CUNY. Um, and it really gave me a lot more hope than some of the other events I've been to. And I just wanted to say that, like, to give it a little bit more optimism because, um, yeah. <laughs> that's good. That's that's, that's really it. good. Yeah, because CUNY is a public, it's a state school, right? Yeah, it's a state yeah. school. And, you know, there's like a very large variety of people. And um, it really, uh, you know, it, it, like the message was still slow <laughs> to get there because like a lot of people haven't heard this stuff. But the, the students there were like open minded and, they, you know, they wanted to hear about what was going on and they were curious about what you know what's going on so i i really um you That's know good. i really i really thought it was really really a good event actually it might not have come across that way um but we actually had some supporters in the crowd which is like honestly the first time i've seen that so um yeah that's really good because um i think that so for people who don't know, CUNY is a state school in New York, uh, and there's different there's different uh, chapters. CUNY is is it CUNY is a city? And, and SUNY is a state State University of New York City University of New York. Yeah. Yeah, and what I was gonna say is the school that the other school that uh, Lucy mentioned, Sarah Lawrence. It's more like a hoity-toity, private, all-girl. Is it still all-girls, Lucy? I think it's all-girls, yes. And obviously, like, the people that went to the Biden event were probably more likely to be Democrats. Yeah. But, um, yeah, I think definitely, like, if there was, you know, anybody wants to organize an event or something, like, I'm hoping that this whole Hakeem thing actually gets into the City College newspaper. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Which would be really cool, you know? <laughs> And I think um, that girl that took some notes might do that, might end up doing that. So, um, yeah, anyway, that's what I wanted to say. <laughs> awesome. Okay, Delthea, try it now. Lucy, okay. can you, can you hear second? me? I can hear you just great. Okay. Um, I've been thinking about this whole thing about nobody wanting to work with other people and all of this. And it reminds me of a story, an honest to God true story. And I'm going, I'm going to tell you this. Have I ever told you about my parents' wedding? No. I'm going to tell you about my parents' wedding. My parents met in May of 1944. They got married October 19th of 1944. Because, as my father put it, there's a war on. And when a war is on, you never know what the next week is going to bring, what the next month is going to bring. So, my mother is planning this wedding. My uncle, my mother's brother, was supposed to stand up with my dad. But three weeks before the wedding, he got sent to the north coast of Africa. My grandmother, two weeks before the wedding, comes downstairs in the dress she's going to wear. And my mom says, you can't wear a black dress to my wedding. To which my grandma said, it's not black. It's just really, really dark blue. It's black. No, it's really, really dark blue. So my mom had to make a decision. Was this a hill she wanted to die on? 
No. My mother could not find a wedding dress because most seamstresses were making parachutes for people in the war. So my mother had to make her own gown. She had to design it. Real cute. If you go to my Facebook page, you can see it. So she had all these things on her mind going into her wedding. And a week before the wedding, she started getting these calls. Well, if Ethel's going to be there, I'm not coming. Well, if Loretta's going to be there, I'm not coming. Well, if so-and-so's not coming, I'm not coming either. Yada, 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 yada. And my mom found herself at her breaking point. So she called all these women. And she said, could y'all stay behind church Sunday? Just for a minute so I can talk to you. And they all said, sure. And after church was over and the pastor had gone back into his study, because mama didn't want to not only cuss in church, but cuss in front of the preacher, because that would have just been way too wrong. She sat them all down. And these were, and these were her exact words. I don't give a good goddamn if don't nobody show up but me, Paul, Mama, and the preacher. I'm getting married October 19th, 1944 in my mother's living room. Now y'all can be standing on the, y'all can get on the train, y'all can stand on the platform, or y'all can get under the train. But this train, the Nixon Simmons train, is leaving the station. 6.30 p.m., October 19th, 1944. And she walked out. Now, when it happened, every single one of those women were there. Because what my mom did was the same... She put them in the same position that my grandma had put her in. She, they, she made the demand where they had to decide. Was it more important to hold spite against Ethel or to hold friendship with her? What I have not seen so far in all of this is someone who could make that demand could make people say, I have to make up my mind to shit or get off the pot. When that happens, then you'll see the, then you'll see the solidarity that we need. Mm. But somebody's got to make that demand. And it's got to be somebody that people care about. I totally hear where you're coming from, Delthea. I mean, because otherwise we're just going to keep bickering. Yep. You can't. You can't allow yourself to get so caught up in your own pettiness and your own in your own mind that you can't see the group. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm all for individuality, but I'm not for individualism. Hmm. We have to do things together. And sometimes somebody just got to make it plain 
and you just have to cuss all your friends out at the First Baptist Church of Washington, D.C. <laughs> I mean, that, mm, if they're your friends, they'll take it for what it is, and they'll show up in your mama's living room with her wearing a black dress. Yeah, I, I think that we can go all the way back to force the vote. And this is what I was trying to tell you guys. Like every action, I wasn't a part of that action, but I supported it. Every action that I either supported or was a part of, mm-hmm. I've seen these same issues. Mm-hmm. Who are the speakers? Mm-hmm. Uh, who organized it? Why is it being held in this this city and not in that city? Like I've seen it multiple times. And I think for me, I look back on, and I, I hate to bring it up again, but I look back on those marches for Medicare for all. And I get really mm-hmm. sad sometimes because I think about the numbers that we could have had. Mm-hmm. We had a hundred people in Boston and I think they had around about a hundred in Chicago and the same in LA, but we would have had so many more if other people who were online didn't smear it and tear it down and mm-hmm. we didn't have the support of left independent media for for the most part some people some people did promote it most did not and so the same thing when you look at something like force the vote it's the same people who continue to smear it now i know with rage against the war machine there were different people this time around who did have like criticisms and like noel was saying if people don't feel comfortable they don't feel comfortable what, right. what's weird to me though is when you go to such extremes to smear it and to tell people not to attend. And that is the thing. That's the Mm -hmm. same thing that they did during the Medicare for all marches and the same thing that they Mm -hmm. did during force the vote. And my thing is, is this, if you don't like it and you don't want to participate, then don't participate. But why are you telling everybody else not to go? Why you got to tear down what everybody else is doing? That's when you start to look oppish. And then they get mad when people say, oh, you might be an op. You may be part of like a Democrat opera or what is this really about? Then they get mad when you say that. But I'm sorry if you're spending all this time online trying to tell people not to attend something that you don't want to attend. What is your real motive here, people? Well, a lot of it's just, you know, self-aggrandizement and people, you know, seeking vain glory. That's what a lot of it is. It's one of the reasons why you go to a town, okay, like, take the city of Wilmington here in this state. Wilmington's got a little over 100,000 people in it. And it's got about 3,492 leftist organizations because nobody wanted to be part of somebody else's thing. Mm-hmm. And then they wonder why they can't get shit done. You can't get stuff done because everybody's protecting their own little fiefdom. Mm-hmm. You see, I, look, I, I'm an American. I believe in democracy. I ain't about fiefdoms. And if somebody else can do something better than me, I have no trouble stepping aside and letting them do it. Because the shit ain't about me. It's about, it's about the work. It's about the work. And until we understand that, and like I said, if we find somebody or, or rise up ourselves and just say, look, I'm going to make the demand. Now let's do this. And if you're not gonna do it, you just get out the way. I don't I don't expect you ain't got to come. You ain't got to wish me well or anything. Just don't get in the way. 
Yeah, it's really, it's really sad. Like, and I think that's part of the problem, Delthea, what you mentioned is like, you said it's not about you. The problem mm-hmm. is, I think from what I've seen for some of the groups, it is about them. They yeah. want it to be about them. They want the attention. They want the no, the notoriety and they, they want the credit. Mm-hmm. And so you have some activist spaces that have become like bougie activist spaces to where it's mm-hmm. like, I want to be known for this. Like Black Lives Matter turned into that. Oh God, yeah. So it's just like, who gives a fuck who gets the credit, guys? Mm-hmm. What matters is that you build something and it continues mm-hmm. on. Like some of this is so ego driven. It really just like rubs me the wrong way. Like I said, in reference with Cold Pink, I really appreciate the fact that Medea Benjamin still showed up anyway. And she yeah. was happy to be there. But it is very still suspect to me for Cold Pink. You tell Medea Benjamin she can't speak, but you let Ann Wright speak. And here's the thing. Medea Benjamin is the face of Cold Pink. Yes. Yep. Okay, let's be real. She is the face of Cold Pink. And you're going to turn the face away? Come on now. Come on now. That ain't right. I think it is because she is the face of Code Pink that the organization asked her not to appear on that platform with other people who Code Pink would have some philosophical differences with because she is. And that's why it was okay for a lesser person to be there and speak, but they did not want the face of Code Pink to be in that forum so that people who did not know would look up and say, oh, Code Pink is in alliance with A, B, and C, because that is what people perceive when they see these rally events and people all appearing or coming and showing up at the same thing. And all because of one person, like if I look at Medea Benjamin's statement, it was because they said because of Jackson Hinkle. All because of one person, you guys. I'm like, really? Let me be very clear, people. When I first announced this rally, Medea Benjamin was one of the first speakers announced. At that point in time, it was Jimmy Dore, Medea Benjamin, and Garland Nixon. That was it. Uh-huh. There was only three people at that point in time. Well, if, if, if I was the organizer... If I was the organizer and I had secured Medea Benjamin and then there was an opportunity to get um, Hinkle and I got word that she would be pulling out, I would have turned Hinkle down. That's the way that's the way I would have looked at it, because first of all, he's only what, 20 something years old. Everybody is talking about he's oh, he's trying to find himself this and that. This is a very serious movement. And so we don't need people trying to find themselves because what you do is you build up their ego and their brand. And that's not what this is about. Medea Benjamin has a brand and she has a reputation for Uh what she has stood for. So, you know, like you say, you didn't organize the event, but at some point there is a lesson in this for people who organize events, because first of all, if you don't feed it, it won't grow. And so if there's all this dissension and stuff still going on afterward, I would hope that the organizers would take note and say, you know what? 
we need to do a little different thing in terms of how we organize this. And, you know, maybe putting people who we think will be a big draw, maybe that shouldn't be at the forefront. Maybe we should look at some other values first in terms of how we decide how we go forward. But, you know, all of this is hindsight. What I say is, let the people talk, it's done, move on, go on to the next event. And understand that you don't have to love everybody. You don't have to love everything everybody does. Um, like um, Chris Hedges says, you know, alliances are not permanent. Power is permanent. Mm. Yeah, but the thing is, too, I want people to really understand is that Medea Benjamin and Jackson Hinkle have organized in spaces before. They've organized in spaces before. Well, and, I think we can neutralize anything that's wrong with Hinkle. Right. Well, well the thing is, and people do have to remember that Jackson Hinkle is a part of MPP. And MPP huh? was one of the organizers. It was MPP and it was the Libertarian mm-hmm. Party. Mm-hmm. So... Why would he not be a speaker? You see what I'm saying? So this yeah. is the thing. Let's let's make this very clear. There were different criticisms. Some people criticized the fact that Jackson Hinkle was speaking. Some people criticized the fact that Nick Brana was one of the organizers. And they were like, no, 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 you should not align yourself with Nick Brana. But Medea Benjamin has organized with Nick Brana before. And Do you know the- why this was weird to me? Okay, go ahead. Because all these people are, go, are in the leftist space, okay? And eventually they're going to have to do stuff together. I just don't buy I just don't buy it, Delthea. I don't buy the excuse. Like I said, when I went to the Assange rally, Scott Ritter was a speaker. Medea mm-hmm. Benjamin was a speaker. I was a speaker. There were multiple other speakers. Right. Nobody, nobody had a problem with Scott Ritter at that Assange rally. Not one person. Some of the same people who were pointing fingers at him for being invited to be a speaker for this one, which he eventually, you know, stepped down and did not end up being a speaker. Medea Benjamin, you guys don't believe me. Look up, look it up online. Medea Benjamin and Jackson Hinkle have worked together in organizing spaces before, it's multiple Hinkle. times, actually. This is what I'm saying. If Hinkle was going to be a problem for Medea Benjamin, Medea Benjamin is a good. Is, she's a she's a big girl now. She can She can handle herself, and she can neutralize what needs to be neutralized. You can't keep saying, "Well, so and so did this, and so we got to do." No, you got to find a way to get everybody in the same room. You've done it before. You can do it again. You got like I said, but you got, somebody has to make the demand. Yeah, it's just it was it, it it the whole thing to me just reeks like it it made me feel like what was this really about? That's how it makes me feel. Like I feel like again, come on, you mean to tell me Medea Benjamin agreed to be a speaker for mm-hmm. a, a rally that was organized by Libertarian Party and the People's Party? Correct. And there was no thought or expectation that Jackson Hinkle would not be a part of this event when he's a part of MPP. And then, like I said, if it was a problem, which I'm not, I'm not totally convinced it was a problem outside of in somebody else's mind. 
Because like you said, they've been on they've been they've been at play things together before. But things like and this happen all the time because think about it, Bayer Rooston was a part of the civil rights movement, but because he was gay, he was mushed to the background. Many black women had critical roles in the civil rights movement, but because they were women, they were pushed to the background. So mm -hmm. just being a part of an organization doesn't mean you get to speak. People push people to the background all the time. They said at the March on Washington, Rosa Parks was marginalized. So, you know, it happens. And I'm just saying when you organize an event, you do have different things to weigh and you have to weigh them and you have to make some tough calls. If you know, and just because I was on the stage with you yesterday doesn't mean I'll be on the stage with you tomorrow. Those things happen. But I think the most important thing is the event went off. It was successful. Then mm -hmm. you go on to the next one. There is not going to be an event organized that is not going to be played with some of this. Because like I say, yeah. we know that there's some real differences. And to, to me, it also speaks to the fact that what we call the left is not really organized. There is no leader of stature that Del Theo is speaking of who can just come and say, now, look, I need this is what's going to happen on this day. And either you in or you out. And people have enough respect and allegiance for that one singular leader to say, OK, you know, if Martin Luther King had said to the various factions that were supporting the civil rights movement and said, listen, we're going to have this march in Selma, either you in or you out and blah, blah, blah. He had enough prominence within that movement that people would have been able to forbear some things or some differences with one. Maybe SNCC might have had an issue with the Black Panthers or vice versa, and they would have set it aside and was like, ooh, okay, we'll do it. But because the left, as we call it, is not organized, we don't have that. And I believe this is one of the big issues that why I feel so much rancor with Bernie Sanders, because if he had done the hard break, he had the numbers to build that movement out. Yeah. But he was just, you know, and that betrayal is just too much. And people are, you know, it's, but it, these things happen. No, you're right about that. We definitely had the numbers. Let's bring in um, Notori and then I'll um, close out with you, Delthea. Natori, you just have to unmute your mic and then you'll be all set. Hello. Hello, Natori. Hello, everybody. I'm just, I just want to say I'm disgusted, pissed off because I feel like the government is just screwing over. I just say as American citizens, we are screwed because I feel like they put stuff in place to get Republicans back in office just to do all the crazy shit they want to take the rest of the stuff away from the American people with little bit breadcrumbs we have. Because that's crazy that I just found out, you know, the spill that Donald Trump is at. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And Joe Biden chose to go to Ukraine and give them billions of dollars. And yet it's a lot of people here in America hurting and crying out for help. And just because them people voted for Donald Trump, they going to look the other way because them not his group of voters. That's crazy as fuck to me.
Yeah, but you know what, Notori? The thing is, they just want to fundraise. They just want to fundraise. Like President Joe Biden, like, how is it? It's been, what, a couple of weeks now? You haven't visited East Palestine or Palestine. I forget how they pronounce it. East Palestine, Ohio yet. But when that bridge collapsed in Pennsylvania, he was on the first flight there. Because Uh Pennsylvania is now blue again. And he knows he the Democrats need to keep that state. Ohio was a lost cause. The Republicans already have that state. So it's just like, fuck you guys. The Republicans already have that state. So I'm not even going to entertain coming to see you and try to help. But okay, this the short-sightedness of, of Biden on this whole thing is ridiculous because people in Pennsylvania are going to look at him not going to Ohio and be like, I don't want to have anything to do with this man. The optics mm-hmm. of this are just ridiculous. And it's like, what the fuck are you thinking? But he's not thinking because he's 80 years old and he needs to be sitting in a rocking chair. Let me get off of here, boy. I have a stroke. Yeah. <laughs> it's just crazy. My blood going up. <laughs> Even the thing that I saw with Lucy and Hakeem, and I fucking hate Hakeem Jeffries. Like, I just want to slap people that, because I woke up after Obama. Yes, he was a pimp and I got played. Mm-hmm. But I woke up oh, then man. after Obama, and then I feel like they put stuff in, like when they saw Bernie, I can't stand Bernie Sanders either because he's just a fucking sellout. But I feel like when he told everybody, woke people up about um, like other places, which I didn't even know at the time when he ran the first time that people had Medicare for all in other countries. I didn't know that was a thing until he came on the scene. And then I feel like as soon as they saw him coming, then he ran the second time. I feel like they already started putting stuff in places and now it's 2023. And I feel like they got the courts and I feel like it's just no hope. Mm-hmm. for us it's just crazy and i feel like this bickering going on in the left i do feel like people are getting paid off a little side deals going on like the crystal balls and i'm gonna keep saying it getting these little deals just to stay in the democratic party girl you ain't never oh, I lied i don't doubt it but we Thank can't look you. at the problems. I'm getting ready to go, y'all. Y'all have a good night. Thanks so much, Delthea. All right, let's bring in Anthony. What's up, Anthony? Oh, not much. Just uh, watching the events in in astonishment. They're so funny the the way everything goes with Biden in Ukraine and Trump buying Big Macs for everyone in Ohio <laughs> or the fire department. <laughs> It's crazy. Oh my God. That's funny because um in twenty sixteen uh my buddy and I uh we drove from here in Detroit to uh Youngstown, Ohio, and we uh protested outside of Trump rally just for like fun. We weren't that like uh you know, hateful or combative or like about it. We were just kind of being funny outside of it just with uh, some signs, but that was uh Mm-hmm. 2016 Youngstown near there, but man, I, I love what Jose and uh, Lucy and everyone else has been doing with the confrontations. I think uh, it's um, it's awesome, and um, if you think about it, there's only 435 and 100 senators, so 535 is really easy to confront these people. You know, when you have, you know, yep. we have more people. 
Yeah, I mean, like, they've been doing such a great job, you know, like Jose and and Lucy. Like, Jose has gotten other people involved with this, too. That's the thing. Like, I think first I saw that video of him confronting Jamal Bowman. Some people first, their first introduction to him was when he confronted AOC. The first time I saw him was when he confronted Jamal Bowman. And you know who else was sitting at that table with Jamal Bowman was Hakeem Jeffries. So Hakeem already knew who Jose was. When you see this this confrontation that we talked about tonight, that was not Hakeem's first time meeting Jose. The first time he met Jose, at least on camera, was when Jose confronted Jamal Bowman. Oh, I believe it. And, uh, I, yeah, I've seen all these videos. As a matter of fact, I've confronted uh, Rashida Tlaib here like at least five times about Ukraine in the last year and, you know, um, had no, say no to NATO and NATO Nazi signs and, like, stuff like that and, uh, at uh one of the events was with the whole squad, all four of them. They like did a fundraising tour in each of their cities last summer before the election. And uh, I, it was funny because it was like a, one of their birthdays. And so I, I, I had this big sign that said no to NATO, but I snuck it in the rally. It was a fundraiser, actually. You had to pay to get in. And I snuck it in under a birthday bag or whatever, like a big birthday present bag, the no to NATO sign, and uh, got kicked out, of course. And uh, I watched I, I'd missed it the remarks because I got kicked out. But after I got kicked out, Ayanna Presley said that um, she feels that when people demand more of the squad, that that is an exploitation of their labor. She said that. Ayanna Presley sold her ass out. You know, I can't believe I ever supported her. Like I really did. Like, cause I lived in her district when she ran the first time and I heavily supported Ayanna Presley. She also, let me tell you how, uh, how the game is rigged. Okay. Iona Presley was not featured in knocking down the house. AOC was, and so was Paula Jean, so was Cori Bush, and so was Amy Viella. What's really interesting is they kept talking about AOC facing this incumbent, this powerful incumbent. But you know who else went up against a powerful incumbent? Iona Presley, and they never mentioned that. Not once. The same person... The, the guy that um, Ayanna Presley challenged, he was also a longstanding incumbent. And they never mentioned that. And it was really weird to me. Like, even left independent media didn't mention it, but they were mentioned it constantly about AOC. And that's how I know that AOC was already planned from the get-go. It's a hot mess. Oh, yeah. And I mean, uh, speaking of all these squad members, um, Tlaib here, she, she was a state legislator before. And... Um, so she's no political, you know, uh, novice. And um, and then there's this other rumor that goes around that she had a tough primary challenge the last year, the year before. And now she's never had a tough primary challenge. I mean, just maybe it's been like contentious, but percentage wise, she's gotten more than double both times. So uh, they got it way too easy, these congressmen. And it's fun, a funny thing, too, now. Um you know, there's Detroit. Now we don't have any uh, black members of Congress, or I guess we, there is a black member of Congress from Michigan, but he's a Republican in uh, suburbs. But so that's a big topic in the media here now. And they keep saying this new guy that got elected, he's Indian, that an immigrant, that he should res- not resign. But like they keep putting all the blame on him. There's no black member of Congress. And I, and I said, hey, why doesn't Rashida Tlaib resign? She's had her chance. You know, she didn't get anything done if you're so angry. I'm going to play something. Hold on. Because you said confrontation, right? Hold on. Let me find it. Let me.
Okay, there's this song by Damon Marley. I don't know if you guys ever heard this, but this is my jam, and it's called Confrontation. I'm not going to play the whole song, obviously, but listen to this. All right, I ain't gonna play the whole thing, but that is my jam. That song will get you pumped up. If you feel like you're about to have a confrontation or you need to confront somebody, listen to that song first. That is my jam. Sorry about that, Anthony. Go ahead. <laughs> that's, that's a great song. I like the beat. I like the the sound. Everything. And uh, shit, I just I, I'm uh, last thing is I'm uh, laughing about this Marianne thing. She, <laughs> I hope she, she does. She said she is. She's running. I'm gonna just be laughing my way through the next year with that. I'm telling you, Anthony, I'm telling you guys, 2024 is going to be wild. Watch. Watch. Yeah, I say nobody for president 2024. I I could support no one. (laughs) There you go. Oh, man. All right. Thank you so much, Anthony. Let's go ahead and bring in Brady, and then I'm going to pivot to uh, Roger Meadows. What's up, Brady? Just have to unmute. There you go. I've been working so hard these last two weeks. I passed out on you like the last two shows. It's been crazy. But um, no, it's my bad. Um, but uh, thanks for having me. I and thanks for hosting us here on Colin every night. It's awesome. And you know, I've got my own criticisms of the Rage Against the War Machine rally. Uh, something that personally I'm going to be doing differently. I am I am hosting my own rally here in Texas. And if you would grace us for like five minutes, we would love you forever, but no pressure. It's going to be here on Colin, So feel free to pop in. You'll have plenty of heads up when it's happening. It was actually going to be tonight, but we postponed it because uh, it was just real last minute. We just came up with the idea this last uh, Sunday. It's going to be at a vegan restaurant. I'm a musician, so it's easy for me. I have all the sound equipment, but there's a lot of bars and restaurants that have their, you don't even need a microphone. You don't need sound equipment. Any one of you guys can go to a local bar that's cool or a restaurant that's cool. Anyone who's down and just be like, hey, can we host an anti-war rally here? And then just host a podcast like you're on call-in. You can um, do some party building. You can build peace proposals. You can. I'm working on a third party that's to the left of libertarians. And I can tell you the music that I'm going to have at my anti-war rally is so much better than the music that was at the other anti-war rally. You know, <laughs> like <laughs> I want to exemplify. Yeah, I want, I'm going to make it sound like a hoedown because I'm going to exemplify how the lefties are really good at creativity. When it comes to creativity, this is our thing, you know, and. Uh, it's something that's been kind of undeniable all the way throughout history is that um, art suffers in wartime. And so I'm encouraging, uh, I got a lot of really cool musicians coming out to it. It's going to be an absolute blast. And um, yeah, we could use all the help we can get. We're building a peace proposal from the American people to the people of Ukraine and Russia, just from the the working class of America to the working class over there. 
you know, I feel like there's not a lot of communication going back and forth. So we're going to write something out, translate it into Russian and Ukrainian and blast it at them as best as we can from here. We could use your help with that. Um, and anyone who wants to help build a platform for a third party, if you have any good ideas that would go good on a platform that aren't already there, we'll take them. There's lots of room for growth. And um, that's it. I'm going to pass the mic and just encourage people to do anything. Um, mm -hmm. You know, we can't let racist and bigots stop nuclear war alone. We've got to beat them at. We can't let them beat us at this game. This is embarrassing right now. You know, so I would encourage everyone and anyone to just do anything. Um, I've got a whole list of needs. If you don't, if you don't know what to do, I know people who do know what to do and we can, we can put you to work. There's things that need to be done. So, um, stay active, stay looking forward. Don't, don't let anyone slow you down and, um, I'm past the joint. That's it. Awesome. Thanks so much, Brady. Uh, Roger, want to go ahead and bring you in, just have to unmute and then I'll go to David. So you, um, so before when you was talking about when, um, so yeah, when Brandy was talking about, hey, listen, I I'm in, you know, like what's considered a red state. She was saying she's in what's considered a red state, so she has to um team up with people who are conservative and so on and so forth. Um, you know who else I heard um make this same argument, uh, Sabrina? Who? Larry Sharp, but on the opposite end. Because he was on one of his shows, he's like, yo, look. I'm a libertarian, but I'm surrounded by by leftists and Democrats. You know, I got to team up with them somehow. I got to, you know, like, or else I'm not going to get anywhere. You know, if so, it kind of reminded me of, of that as well. You see what I'm saying? So, you know, like uh, you make your alliances on on issues and where you can, you know, like you're, you're not giving if you're if you're if you're not. If you don't have the numbers of your side, you have to work with whatever you got. Oh, did I go? Oh, screen went black. Am I still here? Okay, You're yeah. here, Roger. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. So, um, what is it? Uh, there's something else I was going to say, too. So, but, that's really um, interesting. You know what? I need to... Um... I need to talk to Larry about that. Because I know he did tell me that, like... You know, most of the time, like he aligns with the left issues, because mm -hmm. he's he's a left libertarian. Yeah, you know, and he was he was just like, I mean, he said he's not for the New York Health Act, but he did say he's for public banking, worker co-ops, and he would like to make this state a citizen ballot initiative state as well. See, that's um, the thing, guys. Like, so would you not, you know, given like the logic that we've been hearing, would you not align with? Larry Sharp, who's a libertarian, if you want to do get a public bank established for New York State, would you not work with Larry Sharp to do that? See, that's the thing. Yeah, and work a co-op still. Yep. <laughs> yep. You know, and um, there was there was something else. Um. So, oh yeah. So, so Anthony was just on here. I was trying to catch him before he left, or whatever the case was, right? So, I wasn't sure if he was from Michigan, Ohio, because he said protesting in Youngstown. Then he said something about Detroit or whatever the case is. But if you're still here, I want to read something to you. Citizens of Michigan may initiate legislation as either an indirect initiated state statute or a directly initiated constitutional amendment. For statutes, 
if the petition receives enough valid signatures, then the state legislature has 40 days to adopt or reject the proposal. If the legislature rejects the law, then the measure is placed on the next election ballot. For amendments, if the petition contains significant signatures, then the measure is placed directly on the ballot on the next general election. In addition, residents have the power to repeal legislation and do veto referendum. So you got something right here. Same thing goes for Ohio. Now, I don't see Hector here. He probably knew I was going to get on him. But yeah, so if you remember, going back to what Noel said, uh, piggybacking on what she was saying, and she was saying, um, and, and um, a lot of times what you'll see is the left will want us to team up with them. And then when they get their stuff uh, uh, satisfied, then we'd be like, hey, what about us? And it's just like, oh, yeah, we got to help you now. The, the motivation is not there. Okay. And I, I think that's kind of like what, what Noel was trying to trying to uh, say before, whatever the case is. Because I've, I've, I've heard that many times. We're on a boat and the boat is sinking. And it's like, as soon as another boat come in, then it's like, all right, I got mine. See you later. You see what I'm saying? So that was, I guess that was the reason why I got on um, on Hector specifically, because if you remember when a few weeks ago, I said something about reparations and he said, we can't do that right now. We got to get a win. We got to get a win. We got to get a win, right? We got, okay, all right. Yeah. Forward a couple of weeks later, which was Tuesday, I said, oh, okay, well, here you go. You, gotta, you got the perfect situation to where you can... Um, you know, you're in Ohio. What I just read about Michigan to Anthony, those are the same words for Ohio, just replace Michigan with Ohio, right? Well, you got something right, you got something right here now. And going back to what Delphia said, I think she said something about uh, people don't want to do the work or something like that. I, I proposed that to him and he said, oh, I want to end the wars first before I give people health care or whatever the case is. So, you know, I was like, okay, that's kind of a cop out because people need health care now. Okay, I gave you a path, you know, and I only I only was getting on him because of that that stupid comment that he made a couple of weeks ago about no put your shit on hold. We gotta get a win and do this. You see what I'm saying? So look, we got to you know what I'm saying? Like if you have so Notori was saying she was uh giving up hope. Um this is the reason why we have to get those of you who live in initiative states to take action on this, okay? Because that will put, um, I used to say it would put pressure on uh, states that are not ballot initiative states to do it. I think, you know what? I think it'll take pressure off because they'll be like, okay, well, they did it. They did it. They did it. I guess the water is safe. I guess we could jump in. Quick, dip your toe in there. How does the water feel? Okay, all right, put your leg in. Put your foot in. Put your leg in. All right, I'm going to jump in now. You feel what I'm saying? So that's the reason I'm saying so because people, you know, like all these states that touch the Atlantic Ocean, except for Massachusetts and, and Maine and um, Florida, we're not ballot initiative states. OK, so we're we're dependent on you guys to 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 get this done because you got, you know, people like Notoria who, who are losing hope. You know, I'm not losing hope. I'm I keep on keeping on, you know, what is it? can't stop, won't stop. Yeah, I, I hear what you're saying, Roger. And I, I totally, I remember that conversation 
um, with, with you and Hector as well. I will say, I think, you know, we talked about this earlier today, like JB, if you guys didn't see the JB and Sabby show, we went live earlier today um, at 1 PM. Definitely check that out because it was called the left versus the left. And we talked about, it was an article that was written by Chris Legion, who was a part of Indie News Network. And he wrote an article on his Substack explaining why I'm he's no longer a part of the online left, why he decided just to walk away from all of it. And I think everyone should read that article. I really do, because I said there's not one thing that he said in that article that doesn't apply to at least one of us at some point or another. We've all been guilty of doing at least one of those things. And I think that when I talk about organizing, I am not expecting people who don't know the type of struggle to organize for that struggle. Like, let me explain what I mean by that. For example, Lucy did um, a summit last year about student debt. Now, Lucy, you know, invited multiple people to come and be a part of that. Like this was like, I think it was like a 12 hour summit on Indie News Network. And people who don't have student debt or didn't have student debt and don't believe in canceling student debt, those are not people that I would try to organize with for some type of student loan debt cancellation event. I just would not, I'm not going to try it because I know they don't want it. They don't believe it, right? When we look back at the George Floyd protests, I'm going to be honest with you. I'm going to keep it real right now. Most of the people who were out in the streets with us, at least in, in the Boston area here in Massachusetts during that time, did not agree with Medicare for all. Those people would not come to the Medicare for all marches. Those people would not come to any type of event to cancel student loan debt. Those people would not come to any type of event to give us universal pre-K or stuff. They didn't agree with me on any of those issues. The, the issue where they did agree was the policing issue and what happened to George Floyd and that there needs to be accountability and that we need to end qualified immunity. When it came to the other progressive issues, most of those people did not agree. Most of those people were vote blue no matter who peeps or non-voters and completely checked out of the voting system and want nothing to do with it. So this is why I, I think I think there seems to be this need to look for group of people who don't just agree with you on the one issue that you're trying to organize about, but also you want them to agree with you on the other issues that affect African-Americans. And what I'm trying to tell you from my experience, that's going to be far and few because even if you go back to the civil rights movement, yes, there were white allies that were a part of the civil rights movement. And one of those people was Bernie Sanders. But even Bernie Sanders, having marched with Dr. King, having been arrested, having fought with black people who were being thrown out of housing at that point in time, even seeing all that in person, even Bernie Sanders does not agree with reparations for African-Americans. So you see, even though Bernie marched with Dr. King, you still can't look to him 
to ask him to organize with you to get some type of reparations for African-Americans. That's what, what I'm trying to say is this, when it comes to those kinds of issues, when it comes to something like reparations, when it comes to any other issues that mainly are like black issues or marginalized issues, I think it's best to look towards people who are already a part of the community that are affected to join in solidarity with you when it comes to those particular issues. And I say that because friends of mine who are indigenous and Delilah is as, as sweet as, as can be. She's awesome. I, I met her in person at Camp Dada. She ran for governor as a Green Party candidate for Texas, right? She ran against Beto and, and, and Abbott. And Delilah has educated me a lot about the needs for indigenous people in this country. And so has the Colonized Buffalo podcast. But you know what I noticed? I noticed when it comes to fighting for their issues, they are not reaching out looking for white people, black people, all these other races to come in and join the fight with them. They are organizing within their group to try to get the things that they want to accomplish for that. Now, where do we intersect when it comes to issues like Medicare for all? When it comes to issues like, you know, canceling student loan debt, they may join us in those issues. But what I notice is that when it comes to issues that are specifically for their group, for indigenous groups, they organize with other indigenous people for those things. And I think it could be a mistake. And I'm not saying there aren't white allies. There are. But I think it could be a bit of a reach for us to expect white people who don't have the lived experience of being black to to kind of lead lead a movement for black issues does that make sense am i making sense yeah. let me well, know Roger. Yeah, I, I always believe that but i mean i always was just like but no one is sorry well no one is asking white people to lead what we're saying is if you believe in this be an ally when when Martin Luther King was at the head of the civil rights movement, he wasn't saying, oh, let me go sit down and let the white people lead. He was saying, you have a leverage in this nation that I don't. And he appealed to their sense of morality and righteousness. And if you believe in the Constitution and the, all of these other things and the um, amendments in the Bill of Rights, then you should be fighting as hard as I am fighting because either we're in it together or we're not. And you, you really tap into the sensibility of what Jackie Luke mom was saying. Okay. Yeah. We go and we fight and we stop the war, but then what? That's when you turn away and my issues become secondary or boutique and this and that. So a lot of people feel like, yeah. well, I'll let you stop the war. And once you stop the war, I can spend my energy trying to fight for what I'm stopping, what I'm trying to fight for. Because if you stop the war, yeah, we all live, but I'm still living under the gun that you are not. I get what you're, I get what you're saying. No, well, I, I totally get that. What I'm saying is, is that there will still be white people that are a part of that, that still will be allies with black people with those issues. But I think if you're expecting it to be the majority, that's where I think we, that's not going to happen. That's not going to happen. Even with like the civil rights movement, 
the majority were not for that, like in that way. So what I'm saying is other marginalized groups in this country don't do that. And I know this, like friends of mine that are Indian American, when they're organizing for things that they want, look, I just told you guys the story tonight about the caste system discrimination being overturned in um, law being into effect in Seattle. I told you guys about that tonight. See how they work together with each other to get what they want to accomplish. Same thing with people who are Asian American. They work with each other to get things accomplished, like for Asian Americans. It seems like to me, sometimes it feels like African Americans, it seems like we're the only ones that's asking other groups to come join us in solidarity. And it seems like the other groups ain't worrying about other groups. It seems like the other groups are focused on their own. I, I could be wrong. Go ahead, Lucy. I'll bring you in, uh, David. Lucy, oh, I, I guess I just, yeah, yeah, I guess um, I just wanted to quickly say that I think um, the uh, indigenous, like the, the um, indigenous people, because they're such a small portion in the United States, but they're actually, uh, is a big population, you know, in Mexico, South America, even higher numbers in Canada, too. Um, they have international summits a lot. And, um, you know, Uhuru, they have that strategy, too. It's more of an international strategy. So I think, you know, for something like um, reparations, um, or, you know, anything that's focused, like, even for the anti-war stuff, it's like, okay, you don't want to show up for Ukraine, then you, you, you want to have, uh, you know, African people focus or African American focus, then show up for Africa, you know, like, you can, you can make connections um, to some of the African movements. And, you know what I mean? Like, you can do that because actually the African um, movements and African-American are very divided um, too. It's not just the division between white and black people in the U.S. Yep. Like, I think we, we focus on that because we live here. But, if, you know, you don't want to deal with white people. Then um, there's a lot of other people that you could be making connections to. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you don't have to um, uh, you don't have to focus on that. Um, and there's also a lot of need to make those connections that people aren't really making those connections enough. I mean, they try. Um, so th yeah, that's all I have to say. And there's a separation between, and sorry to go off topic and I'm gonna bring you in David. There's also a separation between African Americans and African uh, immigrants and Caribbean uh, immigrants and people who have yep. immigrated to this country coming from Jamaica or Haiti or uh, different countries in Africa. There's a separation between those groups as well. And, and that that's a big part of the problem. Lucy might have brought up something that I really didn't think about before, but it's like, why are we trying to align with them on those types of issues instead of trying to see if white allies will align with us on those issues, you know? Well, let me just say this. Um, when black immigrants immigrate to um, the country, they're disincentivized from teaming up because they because the government doesn't want um, an alliance from teaming up with American freedmen. Um, so that's why that so that's why when you know when they come here they don't want to associate with us or oh. they don't want to mess with us or whatever whatever the case is. But yeah, there's been many times if you know like if you if they'll that's why and what they'll do is they will offer 
you know, like things like business loans or whatever to open up their own um, businesses and so on and so forth. But I'm not saying it's like a whole bunch, but there's a reason why you see so many um, like Korean uh, nail places in black communities or Chinese food places in black communities or, you know what I'm saying? Like, well, I guess the thing is, is like, oh, gas station. It, 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 so, so what I'm saying is it's a way of, I'm going to, oh, you know, you remember when Professor Richard Wolf said, he gave this thing about if you got two kids and you went to the, uh, the ice cream thing, the ice cream truck, and you gave one the ice cream cone and didn't, didn't give the other one, it would build resentment. So it's kind of like one of those things. All right, I'm going on mute. Okay. <laughs> David, you're on the mic. You just got to unmute. I hope you're still there, David. David is probably like, woman, you took way too long to get to me. <laughs> oh, no, David. I think we may have lost you. I don't know. All right, David, I will. I feel bad because I know sometimes this mute button may not work properly. Um, but David, I'm, I'm going to pivot to Darlene. If you jump back in line, I'll, I'll make you a speaker, okay? All right, let's bring in Darlene. Darlene, you're on the mic. What's up? Hi, Sabby. How are you? Hey, how are you? Good. I've been enjoying listening to everybody. And I had a um, laugh when I, um, well, not laugh, but when I watched the video, um, watch your video tonight and the one about Trump. And where you had said, like, this is what Bernie Sanders should be saying right now. And I was totally agreeing with what you said. But what I thought about was, like, when you said 2024 is going to be crazy. Well, imagine if you remember in 2016 when Trump was running and when the um, Republican Party and he and he offered John Kasich when he was ahead of something and said, if you be the VP, you could run it. Just let me go out and do all my rallies and stuff like that. I don't know if you had heard that. And he was like, no, like he's going to run for president. He doesn't want to be his VP. I said, well, and then when I heard you, you um, JB, he had, I think it was JB who made the comment that Trump, maybe Trump has been watching independent media, that the way he <laughs> came up with that speech, what, am, what are we going to do if he decides to make Chris Hedges or um, Cornel West his VP? I mean, <laughs> you know, <laughs> Wimsy really was watching and he brings them in. And I was like, thinking about it. Well, they would be, let him be the face and they'll be running the country. That would be a good thing. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I don't, I definitely don't think uh, Cornel West or Chris Hedges would sign on for that. But, uh, <laughs> but that would be, that would be really funny. You brought up John uh, Kasich. I forgot about that guy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that he had said, you know, he offered him, he didn't want to do it. And the second question I had, and it's funny because here it is, and I'm glad that um, Lucy and Roger are on. I love the video that they, you know, that was on about confronting Hakeem Jeffries. The only thing I had to say is I'm here in New York myself, and I wish I knew about these things. 
because I would go and support, you know, if there was 25 of us there, they can't throw everybody out if they don't like what we have to say. And I said, you know, if we come with a, a portable mic, they can't turn off our mic. So if more people knew, maybe we get more people out to go to these town halls and, and again, all be there. So they can't throw us all out. We'll take up, you know, three or four rows in there and, and be, you know, that they don't have to feel alone. There's people here who are behind them. I just don't know about it until it comes on the video when I've seen it. By that time, it's too late. So I wish there was um, a way I knew ahead of time. Roger and Lucy, how do you guys know? Like, are you following the city's website? Is that how you know when they're having well, we, these we uh, events? Have a little, we just have a little Twitter, like, group DM thing. So I guess if you could just give Lucy your, um, your, your Twitter handle... And she could just add you to the um, any duopoly in New York State DM group. Okay, great. I'll put it in. I'll put it in the chat. That would be great. I would love to be a part. That would be awesome because I I wasn't sure how. Um, I don't know, but like you guys seem to be very much on it. <laughs> and in New York, you have so many different districts, so they're gonna have to uh, do town halls. I mean, I live here in Roosevelt Island. They haven't done one yet that I know of. You know. But it would be nice to get every, you know, I'm like you heard that girl yelling. She was like, I'm from Crown, um, from Brownsville or something. She had said, like, if, if, you know, there was a lot of people who seen the way that Hakeem Jeffries was so dismissive. Believe me, there would be a lot more young people showing up there giving him the business. But they, they don't know about any stuff because, of course, you're on, you know, with your own life and not being bothered because politics doesn't do nothing for nobody. But I think if people, had a reason they knew, you know, like people came out to vote just because they hated Trump. Well, once if they found out all the other things these people were doing, they might show up in these town halls. All the uh, younger ones. Darlene, are you in Queens? I mean, well, it's part of M Manhattan. I'm Roosevelt Island, so I'm part Queens and Manhattan. Man, that's a strong Queens accent that, that I Yes, hear. honey. <laughs> yeah. Yes, yes. Oh, wow, I was born and raised in the Bronx, so it's totally different. <laughs> Girl, you can't hide that one. Listen, let me tell you, I think, um, I, I think you bring up a really good point. Like, if there were more people, like, if, like you said, if there were 25 of you that Sabrina. showed up to those events, just think about it. Sabrina, even my customer said she got a strong Queens accent. I'm you. <laughs> yeah, you do. I'm for real. Oh, you are oh. not hiding that one. You are not. <laughs> oh wow! Yeah, definitely. It would. I. I. Yeah, I can't hide where I come from, but it would definitely be good to to get into like mind with people like that and be able to help and to do something. You know, not everybody is. One, one who wants to speak, but if there's at least everybody, you feel like you have a whole crowd behind you, it'd be easier to get up and do things when you're not doing it solo by yourself. That's true. Because for a while, it was just it was just Jose and his friend. Um, and now it's more people. And, and that's that's the thing. Like, if you have like 20 of you guys like there, mm -hmm. just it imagine. Might be next across one the country. <laughs> The Go next ahead, one is coming up soon. What was today's date? Um, um, today's the 22nd? 23rd. 23rd, I think. 23rd. The next one is coming up very, very soon, um, like this weekend. So if anybody is interested um, and it lives in New York, 
Um, my email address is bmrwshow at gmail.com. And I'm probably not going to make it, but I can direct you to the person that's going. My, my, you guys, I have to say this, like my, my uh, representatives never host this many meetings. (laughs) Like, it seems like in New York city, like your representatives host like a lot of meetings and that just doesn't happen on, uh, on my end here. So (laughs) yeah, go ahead, Darlene. I was going to say, I think it's because it's a lot of different districts here. You have so Uh many, New York is so big. So it's totally different. I'm sorry, I didn't get your whole email. B M R W. It's B M R W show at gmail.com. Okay. Thank you. Can you put it in the chat, Lucy, just in case? Yeah. Cool. Yeah, New York City is is you know how uh, um the more densely populated an area is, the more districts it's gonna have. So because New York City is so densely populated, there's a whole bunch of Senate districts, Assembly districts, City Council districts, Congressional districts. That's a good point, Roger. Well, Darlene, I'd love to see you out there with them. Definitely, and great. I'm glad that I stood on. And, and I usually listen after. I don't usually come on live, but I'm glad I called in. When I seen the video tonight, it just made me think of that. I said, oh, I got to call it out. So thank you. Darlene, are you registered independent? No, I don't even know how to do that. I'm a Democrat, but I don't vote Democrat. Okay, I don't worry about it. Just... Get on the, if Lucy, you could put her on the Enduopoly in New York thing. And then I'll, I, I could get some, you know, I could, I got some forms. I just oh, need to buy some forms. I'll email Lucy. Based. All right. Thank you so much, Darlene. Thank you. Good night. All right. Let's bring in Nullified. Nullified, you are on the mic. You just have to hit unmute. And we'll be able to hear your wonderful voice. I'm telling you, like the confrontation videos, like you guys, I know some people are like, I don't like that. I don't like them confronting the politicians. And I'm like, meh, fuck it. (laughs) (laughs) Then don't watch it then. (laughs) These people are not like, you know, you can't criticize politicians now. Jeez Louise. Unnullified, you have to unmute. Go ahead, Eric. So uh, you ready to start doing this here in the Bay State of Massachusetts? I have no problem doing it. You got to let me know when they're coming, though, because the only people that seem to be meeting yeah. on a regular is Michelle Wu. There's, I mean, I know Betsy, who's, uh, who's around here a lot of times, is working on stuff, too. So yeah, it's uh, oh. I know we're all like, let us know, let us know, but we like we all have to figure out how to do it <laughs> and make it I'm happen. I'm, my bad. I'm gonna resend you my questions for Sunday to for the audience. Even though I, we know the answers already, but um, when you have the senator on, what's Sunday? Oh yeah, when Senator Eldridge comes on, oh. yeah, I'll do that. Right. I'll take care of that. Yeah, just yeah, just resend it to me. Um, no this next caller is named Nullified Invader and has a nice Uh-oh. cat pitch.
picture. I so I, I hope he makes it or she, but he's going to, I'm going to invite them to speak because for some reason, sometimes they have issues with the, the mute button when they're in the queue. But when I invite them to speak, it seems to work. So nullified, I invited you to speak. And next I'm going to bring in, um, Ganjin girl. Oh, I think you were, I think you were at Hakeem. Weren't you at the, uh, event? Yes. That was me. <laughs> that was Hi, you. That's right. Hi. Oh, God, there's so hey, much to talk you? about. That's my Hi, Lucy, too. <clears throat> and also, hi, um, uh, hold on, the, the lady who just spoke. Um, what's her name? No, no. Del, uh, Delvina? Delvia. Delvia. Delvia, thinking... who is also Bronx. Darlene. And I'm Bronx. Oh, Darlene. 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 So, by the way, I'm also Bronx Darlene. So, uh, you know, and uh, I know Jose pretty well, as Lucy does. Um, first of all, I'd like to um, say if anyone wants to ask any questions, I was involved with both the, uh, the Richie Torres and the Hakeem Jeffries intervention. There's, there's so much to talk about there. And, and I was at the rally. Um, and Sabby, I just, I barely missed you at the rally. Um, you know, when you did the, uh, the video on the uh, Richie Torres intervention? Yeah. Yeah. And you were, you, you kind of circled a few people and you were like, oh, the people over here, you know, they're kind of old. We got to get like younger people around. Oh yeah. yeah. <laughs> I I was one of them. I I was the one who like stood up with the whole is uh uh to talk to talk about Israel. But my my friend who is also there who met you at the rally, like that bothered her for days. She's like, I'm not old. <laughs> it's not me. <laughs> I remember, I remember. Yeah, I do remember meeting her. She was like, I was the person sitting down at the rally. I was like, oh, God. By the way, she was at Hakeem, too. If if you see, like, the other, their, like, auxiliary uh, videos that Lucy put out. And um, I was, I, w with Hakeem, I went right after Jose. And there's a whole big thing with that. But um, they didn't let me speak. Yeah, I noticed and, that. Like, so they removed the microphone. The stand removed, was there, but the mic was gone. Right. Well, I mean, admittedly, Jose took it with him at one point, but they took it back. Did they give Jose his jacket back? They did, eventually. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but, but they, like, they took the mic back from him. And uh, I was like, you know, they, they said they were going to allow three, three questions. I was the third question. And the one guy started to give me the mic. I reach for it and they pull it away. And it was like, I think they got so spooked by Jose that they didn't want to hear what I had to say. And I tried to talk through it anyway. And... It, it was interesting because uh, you got to be aware when you go to these things that I, I think there's a lot that's pre-planned with uh, politicians uh, because the first kid was very softball. 
uh, with his question. And basically his question was, uh, you know, how are Democrats going to win in 2024? I mean, it was, it was something ridiculous. And when I got up to speak and I didn't sit right back down, he came running over to me, tried to read my notes and pulled me off the, uh, the line. Yeah, because you were going to ask questions. Your question of Israel. And I really believe that's the reason why. You know what the thing is, though, is that this is why we need to have more people. Like Darlene was saying, like if there were like 20 people events, because by now, like I said, this was the second time that Hakeem Jeffries saw Jose. So he knew who Jose was. And I think it's kind of getting around now that people know who he is. So when they see him, they're like, oh, boy, you know. So that's why I think you need more people. Because if you have more people, like they don't know everyone's faces, you know? Oh, absolutely. I, I have no doubt that we're all on a list <laughs> at this point. But um, uh, also Darlene made a good point, which I was going to make too, which is uh, I think we should bring our own mics to these things. I really honestly do. Will I they do. let you in with them? Well, they didn't pat us down. So. <laughs> Don't they have metal detectors or what have you? I'm wondering. They, well, uh, they didn't did this thing. What? <laughs> nope. <laughs> it's uh, the the one thing they did was they like had us all like you know we had to register for the event beforehand, so they had us go to like a second floor, and prove that our name was on the list, and then they said, oh no, it's actually on the third floor. We went up. No metal detectors, no nothing. It was just, okay, you're on the list. Here, go. So if we wanted to pack a microphone, Are we <laughs> I'm sure we could do it. I was it. thinking about this. Like, they didn't have any metal detectors. What? Nothing. And this is Hakeem Jeffries, I know. Which, you know, hey, you know, everything's got to be nonviolent, clearly. But, yeah, they should have had that. <laughs> they didn't have it at the Torres thing either. Um, but Very it was, interesting. yeah, it was, uh, by the way, um, one cute little, uh, point, uh, with, uh, I saw Jose likes to get a, a selfie <laughs> with the politician before each intervention. Yes. He took a picture with Hakeem Jeffries and posted it on Twitter before he posted the video. And I was like, what is this about? But that was really kind of funny because it's like, it's a picture of him and Hakeem Jeffries and they're smiling. And I'm like, Hakeem has no idea what's coming. <laughs> I know. I know. Uh, Elliot Rangel too. He got a picture of Elliot Rangel, and he was—he's—he's he's old school uh, Democratic machine. Why was Elliot there? He's not in office anymore. No, he's not. But you know, the, everybody sticks together. <laughs> you got that politicians. right. Hey, they have so- politicians have solidarity. Let me tell you something, even the ones like Republicans, Democrat, politicians, etc., they can go to the same country club, you guys. We've seen the pictures of Obama and Clinton and Bush hanging out together. They have solidarity. They just don't want us to have it. Yeah, uh, that's that's absolutely. I mean, you just see the, you know, uh, the schmoozing was amazing. <laughs> you know? Uh, and that's that's always true. Oh, by the way, also I want to uh, point out before you know anything goes on. You know, uh, Jose got fired. I heard after this. I heard about it. I didn't want to mention it because I didn't know. If, oh, I, I didn't know if it yeah. was something he wanted known. 
it is okay to mention it. Um, you know, it's 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 up to everybody if they want to. He's doing a Patreon right now. Um, and I mean, it, it, you got to give him credit. This is he got fired. This is a lot of risk. He got fired but, because of what he does a great job. Yeah. So you guys, this is another thing you need to be aware of. So obviously, Jose got fired because of what he does, like you know, calling out these politicians at these rallies. Like when I tell you these are powerful people, these are powerful people in the sense that it can get back to your employer. That's another thing too. And the thing I want to mention is that you do just have to be careful. There was a video clip that I did show of Ilhan Omar being confronted uh, at one of her town halls. And one of the participants, the guy who spoke up, who stood up to speak, he did contact me and ask me if I could blur him out. And that's why if you go back and watch that video now, he's completely blurred out because he said he didn't want to lose his job. So that is a risk that you could run. Isn't that a shame that you could lose your job because you're calling out a politician? What you do outside of your job, why should that affect your job? You know what I mean? Like that's your time. You weren't on the clock. It's Especially when you're just posing a question to an elected official in a democracy. What is this? And they probably, they, they probably didn't say, oh, you're fired because you protested. They'll probably make up some, uh, you know, some, some nonsense or whatever. Oh, you didn't off the shelf with enough cans or so. I don't know, you know, make up something. So this way you can't go back and sue or whatever the case is. But this is this is why I was suggesting. I said, you know, if we were, um, I mean, Lucy already knows this because I said this on the on the DM. Um, I said if we were a citizen ballot initiative state, I would. I said this is the reason why I would I would uh, do a state government jobs guarantee. Yes. Last resort. And have this, and where everyone is guaranteed a job, and the starting pay matches what the state legislature gets, which is one hundred and forty-two thousand dollars. Well, right now one hundred and ten thousand dollars a year, but they voted to have it go up in twenty twenty-five to one hundred and forty-eight thousand, uh, up four hundred and forty-two thousand dollars. And that's just what—that's just for a state representative. So they're making six figures to do nothing for the people, which I call oh, but bullshit. It's, out. It, it's even it, it gets even better. Because I found out uh, when people was putting heat to the state legislature about, hey, that's not fair. They 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 ratted the city, the New York City Council out and said, well, they get one hundred and forty eight thousand dollars. So they threw the New York City Council under the bus. <laughs> I, I was like, wait, a minute, how does a lower government get paid more than a higher government? Good points. Now, um, Ganjan girl, you said you were at the rally. What did you think about the rally? Oh gosh, um, I, I love the rally. Um, it's uh, there's so many things to to bring up about it. Um, I you know I, I was able to connect with tons of people at the rally. Um, I I think uh, you know I was at Medicare for All March as well, so I saw the smearing on both sides with both events. Um, also. Yeah, before I went to the rally, you know, of course, I'm, I'm all over Twitter. And um, I saw the libertarians saying, don't go to the rally. There are splits with the libertarians. 
Um, you know, it's like, oh, we don't want to, we don't want to go to any place where Scott Ritter is because, oh my God, blah, 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 pedophile. Yeah, they, they issued a statement. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and the opinion that I have on it is, you know, uh, just, uh, just on the, um, on my experience with it, like for instance, we showed up, one of our, our favorite banners was, uh, one of Victoria Newland. It's like the real Hitler, you know, it's like, I had so many people from every walk of life stopping me and going, oh my God, this is so great. And we're not, you know, we gained, we went as greens, but I'm talking, we had, I had, you know, libertarians coming over to me. I had like, you know, uh, you know, conservatives, whatever, uh, MPP, you know, uh, LaRouche coming over to me and going, oh, this is terrific. Um, and you brought you yourself brought up in this conversation that you know uh, when it came to like for instance the George Flo- George Floyd protests. I like to bring up this analogy, which is like suppose we had said, "Oh, you can't be in the George Floyd protests unless you're pro-life." I mean, unless you're pro-choice, yep. and we're going to block everybody who's pro-life. That would not have been useful for the cause you could you could argue that it's a purest you know it's a you know it's a better pure thing to do but you can't get anything done you you've got to be able to bond with these people even if it's on just mutual agreed values and then work on everything else i'll even throw in the women's march because i want people to understand um like my former uh supervisor actually participated at the uh, women's march, which I thought was pretty dope. <laughs> I was pretty cool that like she was like, "I'm going to the women's march," and da da da. Um, but even with the women's march, like yeah, the women that were out there, and there were there were men too um, that participated. But like yeah, they agreed that it's a woman's right to choose, and you know that kind of thing. But most of those people did not agree with me on any of the progressive policies. Hmm. Didn't even yeah, agree on Medicare for all. You want to talk about something like abortion. Well, that's a healthcare issue. And sure. so you don't agree with me on Medicare for all. Let's think about this, guys. You don't agree with me on Medicare for all. But people who can't afford to have an abortion, most of them are women who are working class or who are poor and are women of color. So you're telling me we at this rally and you're telling me you don't agree with Medicare for all, but you believe that the woman should still have a right to choose. Well, what about those women who don't have health care? See, these things are connected, but that was the thing. That didn't stop people who do want Medicare for all from participating in the women's rally. But at the end of that rally, like to Noel's point, when that was all over, and again, there it wasn't like there were any next steps. We need to talk about this too, you guys. We need to start talking about why we don't have next steps after some of these rallies. But there were no next steps. And it's not like after that, they were like, hey, I'm going to come to the Medicare for All March with you. Nah, those motherfuckers bailed. They didn't want to come to the Medicare for All marches with us. Like, they didn't believe in Medicare for All. They still want to have private health care insurance, even though I went out there to support them for the Women's March. So I think this this is the thing. Like, we were able to come together on that issue. But when it came to... The healthcare issue, which is attached to abortions, 
because rich women will still be able to have abortions. They'll still find ways to get them. They have the means and the resources to leave the country if they need to do that and get these things done. But the poor and working class women, particularly those of color, are still stuck. So let me ask um, a question. Um, Well, I kind of know the answer, but I I just want to go through this, go through the steps. Okay. What is usually the the number one reason why um, a woman gets an abortion? Like the most common one. It's, It's not time or economically. Yeah, economically. Bam. The, the economics, right? So, if you a way to solve both parties, not, when I say parties, I don't mean like political parties. Well, I guess you can mean political parties or whatever the case is. If you don't want to have these women have an abortion and so on and so forth, how about maybe solving their income inequality issue? Maybe even Give them a, a UBI for every child they got. I don't know. I'm just throwing it out there. But they didn't agree. But most of them didn't agree with that either, Roger, because most of the women that were out at those at the uh, the women's march were uh-huh. vote blue, no matter who. A lot of them were suburbanite women who were pretty well off financially. I'm just keeping it real, at least here in Boston. A lot of them were pretty well off financially, suburban women who were vote blue, no matter who. And when Uh you talk to them about things like UBI and a living wage, they don't, they're not for it because again, they're not affected. Go ahead. Oh, sorry. My bad. Um, um, People got mad when we had AFDC and and ADC, A A for dependent children, because you did get money per child. So that's not going to fly. Mm-hmm. Um, I just meant, but I, I, but I, I am totally on your side, Roger. When you say what we need to do is because reproductive rights, the way we've done it in this country, has all been about abortion. I am worried about the fact that when a woman, when a black woman decides she wants to have a child, she's three times more likely to die in childbirth. Yep. Okay. Until we can bring that into the the conversation, it's not about reproductive rights. It's about whether or not a person can have an abortion. Got and it. That's 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 not something you're gonna I, win. I, I I do. So here's the thing, right? So um, I'm creating a web. Okay. So to solve that, what you do is you have a you have um public banks, right? And I'm going mm-hmm. I'm to connect, connect the two. You have a public mm-hmm. bank. Now, one of the things that a public bank does, it acts as an insurer to credit unions and community banks, okay? Mm-hmm. So think of, think of black community banks. They're more likely to, you know, not discriminate, or, you know, to get a loan or whatever the case is, mm-hmm. to promote business, whatever the case is, right? Industrial um, in D.C., yay! Uh-huh. <laughs> And, and, and then we have our own hospitals. I mean, not saying we have our own, like, hey, you're not black, you can't come in. But mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying? We, we're mm-hmm. able to use the public bank as leverage to send our um, kids and so on and so forth to, to medical school for free 
whatever the case is, send, send more black women to school for free, so on and so. So, so what I'm talking about is like really building an infrastructure. You feel what I'm saying? And mm-hmm. I, I know I keep harping on the public bank ballot initiative thing or whatever the case is, but that's why I say the public bank is so vital because it acts as the thing that's holding everything up. You know what I mean? Because it could, it could mm-hmm. help like support that. So, I, I mean, yeah, well, I understand. What's that? Everything is connected. Yeah, yeah. So I really do think that we can make it work. You know what I mean? Okay, it didn't work quite the way we wanted it back in the 80s and the 70s, because I remember hearing that fight as well. Like, oh, you're giving... First, it's like, oh, you're giving Black women money to have children so they could be dependent on the system. But no, we don't want you to have abortions. You know, yep. like the, the dumbest things. Like, you just want to be... What's that That's word? It, I just I just want to... Yeah, I just want to be disagreeable. I mean, you know what I'm saying? I agree with you. Okay, you agree with me now? I disagree with you. Yeah, yeah, yeah contrarian. Mm-hmm. Right, right. You want to be a contrarian. But I really do think that we can can fix that, what you're talking about with the... Because there's not many Black doctors. There's not many Black women doctors who have that type of, uh, I think the word is bedside manner. I, I don't know what it is, but that yeah. have that type of empathy or understanding or whatever the case is, you know what I mean? Cause they're not from mm-hmm. the community. So there is a way to do it. It's, it's just not, you know, like you, you, you know, like you, you solve the economic condition. Oh, and let me just say this real quick before my customer come. Um, so <laughs> you need to have, you need to have more rallies. And when you do these rallies at home, have those petitions ready to be like, we're trying to get a a state Medicare for all on the ballot. We're trying to get a state public bank on the ballot. We're trying to get a ballot Mm -hmm. as as an amendment to uh, outlaw, make it unconstitutional for private equity to own hospitals, homes, housing, all that other different type of stuff. So those rallies and those get togethers, perfect place to do it. Going on mute, get my customer. Thank you so much, Roger. Thank you so much. So, Ganja Girl, did you enjoy yourself at the rally? Uh, I did. Uh, I absolutely did. Um, I I have to admit, I missed some of the speeches because I was too busy walking around and talking to people. Um, But I I think it was a good thing. I mean, uh, just in the past year or year and a half, I've now, this is like the third war rally I've been to. Um, the first one was uh, with, uh, I think it was put on by either Answer or UNAC, and it was in Fordham Plaza in the Bronx. And uh, Margaret Kimberly was one of the main people there. It was awesome. It was spectacular. It was maybe 35 people. Um, then the second one was a lot bigger. It was uh, Martin Luther King Day in Times Square. Mm. And that one, we, we marched, and I would say that was probably about uh, maybe 100. Um, but this one was so much bigger. I mean, and each one had their own vibes. But I think the most important thing is that we keep building these coalitions and mm-hmm. making the connections. Um, you know, I, I uh, people who followed me on Twitter – know that uh, actually back in the day when I was like starting out in politics, I was laissez-faire libertarian. 
And uh, over the years, I've slid real far left on the political competence test. So I find that, like, if you can talk to people and use their language, these these are like, even if you don't disagree with a lot of people that you see in these rallies, you know, either you can communicate with them and get across to them what you're trying to do, or they're not going to melt away. So it's either leave them in their echo chamber or find a way to communicate. And I think finding a way to communicate is way better. Well said. Ganja girl, thank you so much for calling in. Thank you. Jose! What's up, fam? Jose, I'm going to invite you to Jose's speak. Jose's here. Jose is in the house. Woo! Jose. What's up, Jose? You have to unmute. Hi. Hi, can you hear me? I can hear you. Okay, I got word that you were doing this. I didn't know you do your Collins. Hi. Yes, I do. For guys, for people who don't know, Jose was also at the rally. I was, and I was invited to speak for a couple minutes too. I was very happy about that. And I met you, Sabrina, even though it was brief. I was I was I was happy to see you. Thank you so much. So Jose, what's your take on all this? Max Blumenthal came on tonight and Basically, the discussion is, you know, how do you feel about the rally and coalition building? You know, um, I was very happy to see everybody's face there. You know, when I was talking to people who would come up to me and asking for pictures, I didn't know if they were right wing or left wing or communist or up down. Right. And it was just people who were really anti-war and anti-NATO. And I was very proud to see that because, you know, some people had identifying markers, some people just didn't. And then when they asked me to follow them on Twitter, I was surprised. I was like, oh, you're a libertarian. I, or, oh, wow, you're a hardcore communist. I didn't, you know, you, you, you wouldn't know. Right. And, and, and at first glance, you see these people who are at these rallies and you're just like, hmm, okay. You don't know what they are. They just they just want to fight against this war. And so I'm I was I was thrilled also to be backstage with some of these speakers. And I'll share a little funny story with Garland Nixon. Garland, <laughs> I'm, I'm there. I'm, I'm outside the tent, outside the porter potty in the backstage. And Garland Nixon comes up to me. He's like, you know, Jose, I'm, I'm really happy that you're here and other people are here. You know, the communists are here and, and you know, they're, they're just eating crackers and cream cheese and, and it's good. And they're anti-war. And then you've got the libertarians here and, and they're doing the same thing. And you've got the, the, the Democrats here and, and you've got these Schiller Institute people who and it's all great. It's all wonderful. And he goes into the porter potty for like a minute. I didn't say a word. I'm just back on my phone. Then he comes back out. Hey, you know, Jose, I, I really just got to say, you know, I'm just so, so damn happy that that everybody came out here today and and. I never even said a word. He just he just kept going and telling me how much he loved the rally. And then somebody called him over to do a quick interview. And he said, oh, hey, I'm oh, sorry, Jose, I, I got to go. And then he, 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 but I think that alone kind of characterized my feeling, too, of the of the rally, that this guy was just so excited about what was going on and that he couldn't contain himself and he had to tell somebody about it. So that's my take on it. Yeah, Garland Nixon was like awesome. Like he you could tell he was definitely happy to be there and I think that that's I think that's one of the things that was like kind of annoying to me when I, I after the rally I'm hearing people say this was a proud boys event or whatever. There were no proud boys there and most of the people that came up to me they're all viewers of like either like RBN 
Um, and I just think it really like it it kind of like pissed me off that like people were going with that rhetoric because that was not the case. And to just pretend like to just say it was a white person's rally and to pretend like people like Garland Nixon wasn't there. I wasn't there. Courtney Banks wasn't there. The Hoover movement wasn't there. There were multiple people. It just it's really shitty. And, and even the people who called it right wing, they're ignoring people like Chris Hedges, who was a speaker. They're ignoring people like Dennis Kucinich, who also was a speaker. Like they're ignoring people like Jimmy Dore. They're ignoring people like Max Blumenthal. They're ignoring all these other people that were speakers. They ignored the fact that Jill Stein was a speaker. It really pissed me off that they tried to just focus solely on Tulsi Gabbard, a co-host for Tucker Carlson on Fox <laughs> News was there. And I'm like, really? Are you really going to forget about the fact that Dennis Kucinich was also there? They didn't even mention the fact that, you know, Ron Paul spoke. We all know Ron Paul is anti-war. Like it was just, it was really frustrating to me. And this is why I try to tell people, you have to combat mainstream media because they control the narrative. Now, I'm so happy that they are losing ratings right now. And I'll continue to applaud that because that means that more and more people are checking out of mainstream media and starting to find other sources. I completely agree. And, you know, I mean, I'll just say this because somebody had asked me my thoughts on that, too. Well, what about these other social issues? You know, shouldn't they be brought up? And I said, if you really care about homelessness or if you care about reparations or if you care about whatever your social issue is, you are anti-war because you think about it. We have almost one trillion dollar budget going to our defense spending, right? What else could that, that one trillion dollars be used for? Mental health allocation, right? Reparations. It could be used to address the housing crisis, the homelessness crisis. It could be used for Medicare for all. It could be used to reorganize the banks that are about to go belly up, right? So if you care about these social issues, you are already anti-war because you already you have an argument how about we take away a trillion dollars from the defense budget and we put it in literally anything else and then you come to the table afterwards and say okay what do we need to fund first then you can have that argument but right now the people who are against us have no 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 intention of dropping that one trillion dollar budget if anything they're just going to increase it and then look yep. Uh, you know, what was it, $100 billion, $110 billion to Ukraine now? While yep. Ohio, East, East Palestine is like dying. So if you care about your social issues, you do care about the Ukrainian war. That's how I put it. That's a good point, Jose. What's up, Nate? Uh, does, is this, can you hear me? I can hear you just great. Okay, good. I, I, I. I never used this app before. I mean, I've, I've listened to you for a long time, and and <laughs> cool. <laughs> What's your take on all of this? I think that Eric London and the the. Uh, Oh, those people over at the, the w, WSWS, I listened to them for a number of years, and and they're insufferable. They're in their own. They're in their own uh, cyclob or whatever, whatever the hell you want to call them. 
Yeah, they're they're Trotsky's. Like CJ explained this to me um, the other day that like yeah, I, guess I thought that me. same thing. Trotsky yeah. was the same thing. Yeah, it, and it just ah, uh, they're insufferable because it's all about and it, it's all about association. It's like you can't you can't work with people because they 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 believe something else on the other end. It's like well, what does that matter? It doesn't matter at all no it doesn't the other thing too nate that really bothered me is like you know i've read like i've read plenty of articles by uh wwsws and pretty good ones that like broke down the protests that were happening in europe they're they're, they're good on foreign they're good foreign policy but yeah when it comes to organizing they're 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 they they can't find their ass with two hands in their fucking (laughs) You know what I mean? <laughs> oh man! No, when he told me, he said we got five percent of of the vote for some organized. I was thinking to myself, like, well, you probably would have gotten more if you didn't exclude people. Uh, yeah, the worst part was was I want that last that last article they 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 wrote or. Joke is short that the asshole that I've actually fucking voted for because I didn't want to vote for either fucking Biden or Trump in the last election. I think it was twenty twenty. It it just it pissed me off that I fucking actually voted for that asshole. And from the right of right, he didn't even write it himself. He had had he had to get another guy to fucking uh to help him write this bullshit. That was all it was was a smear piece. It's like, come on, really? And you have nothing. You guys have never organized anything, at least in the United States. They always. I saw your interview with Eric London, and that was great. But he couldn't point to these assholes. Always point to. They always cite their own articles. It's like, well, just because you wrote something doesn't mean that. Everyone else agrees with it. I mean, come on. A, a, a first-year a first year university student would know that you need to fucking say something other than something you wrote. I mean, that's just basic. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about. But anyways. <laughs> yeah. That was a doozy, man. Yeah. Like, honestly, I just, I, like, like for me, I'm just like, Dude, like he's like you should not be associating yourself with. I'm like, that's that's what I'm talking about. Is it? What? That's it. That's the Trotsky thing. Is it's it's all about associations. Like, how how does that have to have anything to do with anything else? You know, if you want to accomplish anything, you can't you can't fucking just because it's asinine. Like I said, how are you going to mobilize, you know, like hundreds and thousands of people? How are you going to mobilize? We need at least 5% of the population. I think that's what it was It's estimated. Mm-hmm. We need at least 5% of the population to cause like an actual movement. Yeah, to get anything that's going to happen. Yeah. So how are you going to do that if you're only like, we cannot associate with people who are not in this particular space at this particular time, who don't have these particular beliefs, that's not 5% of the population. 
And he kept telling me we have to mobilize the working class. And that's why I said, okay, so yeah, who is the working class? Who, who are you right. talking to? Exactly. I'm like, so are you going to exclude people who are conservative that are a part of the working class? If you're trying to mobilize the working class, explain this to me. Then he said that like, well, you know, they're not right. People right wing are not the working class bullshit. Yeah. And then here's, here's the other thing. The, the right question was, is that how, who do you know in the working class or, or who have you talked to in the working class? How do you define the working class? Go ahead, uh, Delthea. I think you unmuted. Um, what, what he was just saying about who's in the working class and we got to get to 5%. 5% is 15 million people. Okay? There you go. 15 million people. My sister and I can't agree on where to go to get breakfast. <laughs> <laughs> yep. <laughs> okay. And I've known her for a very, very long time. So how are you ever going to get 15 million people to be on the same page about everything? Hey, can yeah. I try this, Delphia? Can you and your sister agree that Congress is corrupt and only serve the big money? Actually, yes. And we're just getting to that point, though. Okay. Understand, well, my, my sister right and now. And we organize around that, that, right? Huh? Sorry, I talked over you. Go ahead. No, I was saying, my si okay. My sister and I went to several universities. Um, and when we were at the University of North Carolina at Wilmington, she was in the business school. I was in the social and sociology department. So we didn't always agree on politics. We are just now starting to meet. Mm. See, but it, but, it, but I never stop with my sister. You know, all these different denominations—they all agree that that they're corrupt as fuck, mm -hmm. and, it, and they don't serve us. So why aren't we talking about that? Why aren't we organizing around that instead of talking about all these personalities? Okay, we're going to organize. You know, um, Sabrina, actually, I, I have a, a story for you that I think you might appreciate and your callers would, would too about this issue. Two days after the rally, I spoke with civil rights veteran Bernard Lafayette. He's up in Rhode Island. He runs the Center for Nonviolence, and he still trains people to this day in nonviolent creative action. I gave him a briefing on the um, the rally that we did, and I said, you know, one of the main criticisms was that we were working with so-and-so and that we shouldn't be because they believe this and, you know, we shouldn't be uniting with those people. And he said, you just got over the main hurdle. You know, as he put it, he said, you know, Hosea Williams, James Bevel, uh, Jesse James, and uh, Martin Luther King Jr. sometimes could not be in the same room. And as Bernard Lafayette said, boy, would they go at it. Okay, that sometimes that people would need to walk out of the room because they just could not agree on the methods, on the objectives, and on the principles. And sometimes King would have to be a mediator and listen to all of them. And King would then say, okay, well, look, he would articulate their points and say, now you all do see, we all agree here, right? And it was always on this higher principle. And so Bernard said, you know, what you're doing, what we're doing with the with the rally was very important 
um, because if you really, if we really are bringing a coalition of different people together, he said we've already won. You've already did. You already did the heavy lifting. Uniting people is eighty percent of the work. Now the twenty percent is actually moving and mobilizing. There so. you go. Mm-hmm. That's what it. That that's what I was trying to say. You you said it better than I could ever have said. Um. Oh, sorry. Yeah, getting the people together is the hardest part, and that's why if people are smearing events, um, that actually can help decrease the support for it. And I feel like a lot of times that's their goal. Like my whole thing is, is like, why do you care if you don't agree with it and you don't want to attend? Okay, then just don't go. But why spend all of your time attacking it on social media and telling other people not to go and smearing speakers? To, then to that, to me, you just come across as you're a little sus. The best, the best thing that I see, the best thing that I see about all these people that are shitting on the, the original, we go to, uh, or, or, you know, you, we can't associate with those people would be to just go to their rally and support the end of the war. That would be the best thing ever because like you, you, you guys didn't want to show up to our rally. We're going to show up to your rally, but we're still against war. What are you mm-hmm. gonna do about that? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Find the one thing that you agree on and then you work from there. Exactly. I mean well, it, and it could be something as innocuous as, you know, whether or not you're a Tar Heel fan. Just just find something you agree on. So you're not hating. And pound at home and pound at home, man. Yep. If 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 they want if they want to organize against us to to fucking end the war, we're gonna be there. <laughs> Why mm-hmm. wouldn't we? <laughs> it's a no brainer. I bet you. In, in, oh, sorry. I was, I was just gonna say when, when you're in a movement, you start at one spot. If the movement is any good, it will change you. Hmm. Well, here's the thing that um kind of like and Nick and I were talking about this earlier but like people don't want us to team up with people with different political ideologies who agree with us with being anti-war but those same people are totally okay with teaming up with other white elite liberals who want to still support Jim Crow Joe Mm -hmm. and support other organizations that want to continue to fund the police. Make it make sense. Because it's not left and right, it's up and down. Also, also, you're always going to get people that are going to criticize. Um, I guess there's a difference between criticizing and like hating and saying don't, whatever. Let's not forget, and I'm not putting the people who criticize in the same category as who I'm about to say. But let's not forget the criticism that Malcolm X had for the March on Washington. And it was Mm. scathing. You feel Mm -hmm. what I'm saying? Now, he never said don't go. He was, he just, he just pretty much like, you know, he took the whole thing apart and whatever, what else? You see what Mm -hmm. I'm saying? So you always gotta have criticism. You know what I mean? But you know, 
Keep on keeping I, on. No, I, I don't know. I, if you could point me to where I could read what he said, that'd be great. Oh, what? When, not when not familiar, yeah. Up. If you can put it in the chat. Um, no, he, seriously, he, I know. I, 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 I never heard this before. That's that's that's. Oh that's, yeah. I want to read it. I, I want to, I want to understand no. it. Well, he, he, it wasn't, but he, he, he spoke it. You could probably find it on YouTube. I can't do it. I'm driving. Uh, oh, you just, okay. just oh, okay. I'm sorry. I, I didn't know. Just do a YouTube search on Malcolm X criticizes the March on Washington. And he was, yeah. I mean, let me tell you something. Malcolm X went in on entertainers. He was just like, he was talking, he was just like, oh, he's getting all these entertainers, Lena Horn and uh, Dick Gregory. And they're not part of the, he didn't say part of the working class. He, he just said, I, I forgot what he, but he was pretty much, he was going after all of them, all, all the, inter- oh, Harry Belafonte, um, all of them. You know what I mean? Yeah, because Malcolm X okay. and Martin Luther King did not agree on a couple. Yeah, of I, I, yeah, I, I know a little bit. I know a little bit, but not the details. If, if I'm not trying to be an asshole, don't. No, just do it. Just do a YouTube yeah. search and just say okay. Malcolm X criticism of March on Washington. That's all. Yeah, yeah. Ma- Malcolm okay. used to call Malcolm used to call Martin Reverend Chicken Wing. Yeah, I think Malcolm X thought it was a little too bougie. Mm-hmm. Like it was. <laughs> yeah, you could say that. Well, well, from, yeah. what, from what? From, well, from what I was taught is that they were at odds, or from what I've learned is that they were at odds uh, at approaches of. Uh, trying to change things for yes but if you look at where they were right before they were killed Mm -hmm. they were damn near meeting yes that was when uh uh, malcolm x started i believe that that's that's not surprising i believe that because mark martin was getting he was getting a little tired of getting beat up yep and um when right before he got killed, and and Malcolm had just carrying around hate, just to be carrying around hate gets heavy, and he was putting that down. It's a, so he- you, a heavy load to carry. It I is. Think. So when you look at where they were right before they died, they were damn near on top of each other. Hey, you know, also, um, Dr. King, the night before he's assassinated, you know, he gives his best speech, but. 75% of the country completely disagreed with his nonviolent tactics. They were mm-hmm. propaganda cartoons being put out every day about how violent his, quote, nonviolent protests were. And, yeah, mm-hmm. even Mal- Malcolm X had a whole thing where he said that uh, uh, Dr. King is like Novocaine. He's meant to strengthen, he's meant to weaken any kind of uh, coordinated black efforts to really have a revolution in the United States. And, you know, he goes through that in his house, Negro versus the field, Negro mm-hmm. speech. Yep. I mean, it was, it was scorching. It's, it is one of my favorite Malcolm X speeches, despite it being very critical of King. But what's interesting though, is that after King is killed, suddenly it becomes, Oh, the great Martin Luther King. Yeah. But I, I remember talking to, um, uh, I forget his name, pastor Robert Smith. And he, pastor over at the church where C.L. Franklin used to preach at. And uh-huh. he, he said to me that when he was still learning how to be a preacher, some of the other preachers and reverends at the time commented immediately after the assassination of King, 
where they said out loud, if that boy had just stayed in the pulpit, maybe he would have kept his damn head on right yep. now, right? Mm-hmm. And so that was kind of the atmosphere that King is in. He has opposition from his own team, his own country. He is getting criticism left and right. But we still talk about him today because ultimately he was right at the end. That's well, right. We, we, That's right, right. Right before King, King never had more than 50-50 in this country. That was the best he could ever do. 50% liked him, 50% didn't. Yeah. And that was the best he could ever do. We They don't teach that in your little one day that you learn about Martin Luther King in school. I mean, you, no. you go by that. He, he made a speech, he likes your character, and that's it. No, it's true. Like, people have to understand the civil rights movement was not popular at that really? point in time. It really wasn't. But, like, you know, after he passed away and time went by, you know, it oh, was... Now he's a saint. Exactly. It was definitely taught differently. And I think that this is what we have to understand even today. Like when we, some of the things that we're fighting for, like the anti-war movement, I told you guys, it needs to be rebuilt in this country. We have to rebuild it. We haven't had a movement as large in reference to anti-war since the Vietnam War. We have not had it in this country. And I think that again, right now, people calling for peace between Russia and Ukraine Guess what? That's not popular. But who knows what's going to happen five years from now, just like with the war in Iraq. It was years later. They came down the road and they said, actually, the war in Iraq was a mistake and we were told a lie. Saddam Hussein never had weapons of mass destruction. So Mm -hmm. who's to say what's not going to be revealed years down the road about this particular conflict, right? Now, there are people in independent media, they're already telling people the truth right now. But the problem is the majority of Americans are not hearing that information. And until we can get to that point where they hear that information, you know, you're just incredibly, the majority of Americans are incredibly propagandized and you have to wake a lot of people up. And that's why I think even with this rally, like I said, so what if it's libertarians? So what if it's people's party? Like, I I don't even know these people. Like, that's that's the funny thing is like, (laughs) For people like to criticize me and like, how dare you? How dare you align yourself with Libertarian Party and did it? I was like, I don't even know these people. <laughs> like That's, I don't. The, big, like, the bigger question is, what does it matter? Right. Who cares? Like, it's just, Who cares? The amount of criticism. What, what, what is your problem with us agreeing? The amount Period. of criticism that was pointed towards those of us that were not even organizers. It was very strange. So I do sense like some of Max's frustration. Like he's like, I was an organizer. I was a fucking speaker. Like I totally sense that and I get it. Because like. It goes with the territory though, man. I mean, (laughs) Max is whining. I'm sorry, but he is. You know, I mean, he's been in the game for a long time. But, you know, if you're going to put yourself out like that, you're going to write books. You're going to be a reporter. You're going to do that. Well, here we are. <laughs> but he was one speaker among many. Yes, yes. <laughs> and he had a grievance. I'm not going to deny that. But th- it, it, that's how propaganda works, is that you, you focus on that one tiny little sliver 
to and you amplify that as as much as you can do it and at the end of the day it'll work for about five minutes mm-hmm. come 10 years from now we're gonna win thank you so much nate i'm gonna bring in um ashura if that is okay with you hey no problem i'm i'm curious to hear what you have to say ashura very curious you have to unmute uh, sabrina i gotta get going but i want to thank you for having me on Thanks and, so much, uh, Jose. Oh, and just real quick, listen, Hakeem Jeffries is back in Brooklyn tomorrow at 6 p.m. Don't know if any of your listeners want to go oh, say Lord. hi. So, go get him. Oh, no, not me. I already, I already whooped him. Good Somebody down. else did. <laughs> so, anyway. Thanks, Jose. Thank you. What's up, Ashira? What's going on? I'm good. I just finished watching your uh, interview with Max before. I gotta admit, Max has a way with insults. It's like every time he basically names the the neoliberals, he he always comes up with a new name. Like that guy, he called him like a mix between uh, what's his name, Jim Nathan J. Robinson and Harry He's Potter. Harry Potter. <laughs> <laughs> that shit was funny. It's like I, was, yeah, because Max always makes me laugh. Like he always comes up with these new names, the lockdown left. I don't know who coined the re- reformist. It's like every time he, 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 you can see Max is like, he's seething the fact that these people are, are so like up the ass of the establishment. Uh, I think a new term now is, uh, if you support like the progressives, you're, you're like what, uh, call it the progressive establishment. Is that what they call it now? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Progr- yeah. An established progressive. That's basically what the squad is. Like they're not left. And and I saw a lot of people that I liked, like Franco was trashing the thing. I'm like, yo, if it's a personality thing, don't don't come and trash the thing, and then you tell people, oh, I'm not telling you not to go, but the message is there. You clearly you're clearly trying to tell people not to go. It's like you might as well be an op. See, that's my thing, Ashura. I, I totally get where you're coming from. There, it's like again, you don't have to agree with the rally. You don't have to support the rally. You don't have to come there. But when you spend all of your time, and I saw people literally doing this, and I'm sure those of you on Twitter, you saw this too. I saw people spending all of their time just completely shitting on the rally. And I, and it's not the first time. Like I told you, I saw it with the Medicare for All marches two years ago. I saw it with the Julian Assange event that I went to in October. Like, how are you going to smear that shit? Like, especially if you're especially if you're an independent media, why would you smear supporting someone who was an independent journalist, which could really change things for all of us, all of us in this game? If Julian Assange goes down, I want people to really understand, because Edward Snowden Snowden didn't go down. Edward Snowden was able to get some type of escape because he was able to get that that approval from Russia. Like Russia said, yeah, you can come here and you'll be fine here. He was able to get that. Julian Assange wasn't able to get that. Yeah. And so if, if they take him down, that can affect all independent media because now they can say, listen, we're going to use the Espionage Act against him, which I think is bullshit, but they may try to do something like that. And that can hurt everybody else, especially other people who are investigative journalists. So my whole thing is like, I didn't know, it was really weird to me that people tried to smear that. And so every single one of these actions 
that I've been involved in or been a part of, even with Camp Dada, people tried to smear us going to a camp. It's the same people. Still waiting for that video, though. Yeah, shit. I have to finish editing the share. I told you I, I hate editing. Well, I thought that's I thought that was uh, edit, ed, ed, Eric's job. It is, but I, I made the mistake of telling Eric I got it, I could do it, and I already started it, and then oh, I just have to finish it. <laughs> I know. I suck at editing. You that's just why. Give it to him. Just give it to him. It's not your job. You're, you're basically the commentator. I mean, it's kind of late now because I already started the editing and I was adding like, oh boy. Anyway. Yeah, because I, I really don't understand. If you if you don't like the, the rally with the people there, I would say if, if you don't want to go, just don't tell people not to go. Just tell them that's your opinion. You're not going, but you're not telling people not to go. But then you do three other videos on it just because people call you out. Not even just that, but then like people made videos about it and then they came back and said, I never told people not to go. Motherfucker, yes, you did. Yeah, you can see, you can, you can see it straight on, uh, on their, uh, on their expressions. They're trying to hide it, but it's there. You, you're trying to tell people not to go. And, and the thing failed, by the way. A lot of people came. So now, now that people saw that, that this thing was huge, now people say, Oh, we're doing one next week. So you have to you have to wait for a bunch of libertarians to basically show you how it's done for you to basically now decide to do a rally after two fucking years of not doing anything with Joe Biden. And if we want to talk about the fact that, okay, if people think that this should, you know, have been organized by, by mainly there's people on the left or socialists. All uh, right. <laughs> where, the, where, where the hell was it, Ashura? Why did it take libertarians and MPP organizing this event? Why did it take that to push other people on the left to say, oh, you know what? We, we're going to do this too. We're going to do this. Why? Why did it take that? It's like I keep telling you, the right, they have some kind of swelling of energy where it never goes out. It's always there. It's the left that gets deflated. The right, whatever they, they they fucking go out there and they they talk about, we can make fun of it, we can shit on it, but they're there, they're out, they're always out, they're out there in the street, they're always out there, basically campaigning. It's the left that just makes fun of it, and then when you try to do it, and I was like, where, where where's the people? Where are the people? Nowhere to be seen. And that guy from the socialist website, I feel like nowadays if you call yourself a socialist, you might as well call yourself a democrat, because that guy was acting like a fucking democrat. Because he was saying, oh, I don't want to work with libertarians. How the fuck are you going to make a movement with just one hand? I mean, the only, <laughs> thing, the only thing you do, the only thing you, I know you do with one hand is jacking off. So I think, um, <laughs> Sarah, I think that this is the real identity politics where we're paying so much attention to. I mean, how many times, like, if you was like, um, like when Fox News first, like, debuted it and went through the Bush years and so on and so forth, you heard you, you couldn't stop hearing Sean Hannity saying, I'm a conservative. Like He was like, oh, I'm a conservative. Conservative. And then you got people going, I'm a Trotsky. I'm a Trotsky. I'm a Trotsky. I'm a this. I'm a that. I'm a that. So by the way, what, what's, a, really what's, a, what's a Trotsky, by the way? Is, I, don't, I don't know what that is. I'll, I'll find out later. But I'm just saying, I don't care about your damn label. 
um, we're trying to get this initiative together. Do you want this or not? Can you sign this or not to get on the ballot and vote yes or no or not? That's, you know what I mean? Just, I mean, people are just so much caught up in, in these labels. I'm a this, I'm a that, I'm a that, I'm a this. I, I'm a person that do, how about this? I'm a person that believes in doing the right thing. And it, and, and I do for others uh, before I do for myself or something like that. You know what I mean? Yeah. Let's talk with that. That's a good point, Roger. That's a good point. Deldia, did you want to say something? I saw you on mute. Um, <laughs> I was just, um, you were asking why it took the libertarians to light a fire under the leftists to say we're going to do something. Yeah, because it made, it made them look bad. Yeah, and that and and libertarian. Okay, on top of trying to trash it. Well, libertarians know how to do business type things in a business type way, which many people on the left don't know how to do. Libertarians know how to get things organized, set up, and run. And as for why the right keeps their fire, it's because the right sees themselves as being on God's side. Yeah, and the left doesn't. Yeah, that that is true, Delphia. Uh, the left, they, they always try to organize. It's always fucking messy. You know what the right has? They got billionaires. They do. <laughs> well, but, that helps, you know. That does help. Remember now yeah, when. But- when when the bus boycott was going on, the reason why it could last 381 days was because of the mass meetings. Every night, there was a mass meeting. And people would go there and get their spirits renewed. <clears throat> we don't have that now. Because people on the left have surrendered religion. I'm not talking about God. I'm not talking about sky fairies. I'm not talking about zombie Jesus. I'm not talking about any of that. But you have to have some kind of an emotional center that gets you through. And the left right now does not have that. When you said spirits, I thought you meant the other type of spirits. Same. Oh, we got plenty of bourbon. (laughs) Yeah, I got, I got bourbon, I got scotch, I got crown. I'm ready. That's not what I'm talking about. So let me ask you a question, Ashura. Would you have gone to the rally if if you were here? Yeah, I would have gone. I got nothing to do on weekends. <laughs> I would have needed something to do. Like if if it was if I was living in Washington, it was right there. I would have gone to see it. Just curious to see how it goes. Um. Final final thing I want to say, it's about that thing with, with the Trump going to that town. <laughs> I, I I assume that Trump basically went to his donors and the donors fronted fronted the money for the townspeople. Apparently it was Trump's money. I was like, damn, I thought the only thing Trump would better shower money with is Iv- is Ivanka Trump. <laughs> that's what that's what I was told, Ashura. I was told he paid for it with his money. But I didn't have I didn't have any receipts to back that up. That's why I said on stream I was told he paid for it because I don't, you know. But that's what I was told. I was like, this is the same guy who won't he won't even pay pay for American steel and get Chinese steel. (laughs) (laughs) But 
that's what the story is going to be. I mean, if there's one thing that Trump understands, it's the power of narrative. And it's so fucking sad, though. It's so fucking sad. Joe Biden's all the way in Ukraine saying this is the country he wants to be with. Well, <laughs> in, his own, well in his own country, he's letting people fucking die of poisoning. Oh, this look, is going to be so bad. This this, this look, is going to be ads like that. Look, I have a story tomorrow for RBN. Um, I'm not going to mention, I'm not going to talk about it on here, but I have a story tomorrow for my RBN show, um, that I think is going to explain this a little bit more clearly as to why Biden's not around. Uh, you, you think they're going to get rid of him that easy? I mean, I know I'm, not, gonna, I'm not saying anything, Ashura. I'm all I'm going to say not, is, all I'm going to say is. You don't have to, you don't, you don't have to. I'm just saying, we've been joking around that for a very long time that he's going to kick the bucket. Kamala Harris is probably going to stab him in the back. With a syringe, <laughs> that, that knocks them out. Like maybe maybe puts them in the some. Yeah, I forget what it's called. Like when you get like some kind of blowfish in your, it makes it paralyzes you. Yeah, you put him in. You put him in the hospital, and he becomes she becomes president. Like I've been joking about that. Like what the blowfish? I remember Jimmy. You remember when Jimmy did that joke where uh, he was on a stand. And he was looking down. I'm like, why is he looking down? And Kamala's behind him. He's like, oh, this is where Kamala almost basically thought, this is where I become president. Right? All I have to do is push him down the steps. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> Those, car. Lord. Those cars gonna... derailed in East Palestine. And they did the slow burn to release a lot of those toxic chemicals. Who wants to go immediately? to East Palestine and breathe in toxic chemicals. That's why Pete Buttigieg was late getting there. That's why Biden was in Ukraine. That's why everybody, because <laughs> nobody wants to run and because they don't trust the EPA and the testing either. They don't want to go there and breathe in them fumes. <laughs> well, Noel, do, do you think the Ukraine is far enough away from the fumes? But you know what? The Ukraine thing was already planned because if you notice that Ukraine visit was right around the anniversary of Russia invading Ukraine. So they knew the optics of that. They were going to do it. It had already been prearranged and blah, blah, blah. But the irony of it is while he's over there pledging universal unqualified support to Ukraine, you had people over here you know, pleading for peace. This yeah. country, it's just like two different worlds. They are, they're doing what they want to do and they don't care what anybody says. He's The Democrats are already plotting mm-hmm. that the only thing they're going to do is if Trump runs, they're going to run the same game plan. Ooh, Trump is evil. Ooh, you got to be scared. And that's if Trump can get through the quagmire of litigation and stuff that's going on that may get him ensnared now. So they, and that's a risk they're willing to run because rich Democrats at the end of the day, if they have to live with Trump, they'll live with him again. They've lived with him the first time. So at the end of the day, it's really a pissing match between the elites in terms of whether it's a Democrat or Republican. But I tell you what, when it comes to a third party, they come together and make sure that never happens. It's a game they play. But they need Trump, uh, Noel. I mean, look at CNN, MSNBC. 
uh, and these other left, so-called left-leaning uh, corporate news, their 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 ratings are dying. They need Trump. If Trump doesn't say he's running right now, they need him. They need to run on him to boost people back up because people are falling asleep. They're not coming back unless Trump comes in saying, "I'm running for office," and then Rachel Maddow will probably got a new contract. She'll be there seven days to seven days to Sunday. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I think they could live with DeSantis because you have the party stalwarts who are already sick of Trump, like McConnell and that group. And if he gets ensnared in this litigation stuff, they'll be just as happy and they'll take DeSantis and they'll run him. And then it'll be easier because he is a politician. Trump was just some old con artist from the vaudeville circus. (laughs) <laughs> you know, so that's you know, so they'll take who they can oh get. God. Between the vaudeville circus and the assassination attempts on Biden, this is getting really woo. <laughs> that's crazy. But it's it's true it's true. Like I could see that happening. Like DeSantis, he may not run twenty twenty four, but he if he doesn't run twenty twenty four, he probably will most definitely run in twenty twenty eight. I could see that happening. Like he doesn't seem like the type of person that's going to run unless he knows it's a for sure thing that he has a strong chance of winning. And the thing is with Donald Trump right now, like going out there to East Palestine, Ohio, all that kind of jazz, the video clip I played tonight where him saying we need to get rid of, you know, the military industrial complex, the defense contractors, yada, yada. Those mm-hmm. are things that Bernie Sanders should be saying right now, but he's not going to. So it really, again, it's just like, Someone mentioned it earlier on the call in tonight. They said that the Democratic Party just left that door open. And I agree with that. They did leave that door wide open for someone like Trump to just come in and someone like the Freedom Caucus to just come in and say, let's take the strategies that the left was supposed to use that they did not use. And yes, let's use it for our own damn party. Well, that's what Jane Uger used to say, that the Democratic Party is paid to lose. They're lit- they do not want to have power. They just want to fundraise on Republicans. Right. Because when Republicans have power, Republicans just do, they do roughshod, and Democrats just run on it. They get people hyped up, and they go vote in there. They go vote Democrat, and basically the cycle repeats itself. They get into power. They do nothing, and then the Republicans basically slowly take back power. Yeah. Uh, I'll end with, uh, do you think Don Lemon will, if Trump comes back, I want I want Don Lemon Don, Don Lemon to get his show back his prime time show because he's getting he's getting bodied for for that sexist comment he made about Nikki Haley's prime even though he lost prime time himself. Well, CNN actually uh, they have new management, and so those decisions have been made by the new managers. Like they're trying to move things around because CNN's ratings uh, have kind of tanked. So again, like for those of us that have worked in broadcast, like that come from like that broadcast media realm, anytime you go from a primetime show to a morning show, whether Don Lemon wants to admit it or not, that is a demotion. Like that, that's how that works. The primetime shows get more ratings. The morning shows do not. Also, Shura, so, you know, um, so, so you read like uh, comics, so you're into the comic thing, right? Um, This is the the same entity that owns that also owns HBO Max um and some other stuff right yep. so th- this is the reason why you've been seeing cancellations of like uh, uh Batwoman before it even started yep uh, mm-hmm. Batman came, 
Batman Cape Crusader, which was was supposed to debut this year. They did like a whole, you know, just a, 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 whole, a, purge. Uh, a purge, you know, of whatever the case is. So, you know, just just a little uh, just a little pop culture trivia there for you. Thanks so much there, Roger. Uh, I'm going to bring in Lewis. You're on the mic. You just have to unmute. What's going on? Uh, you're you're breaking up, Lewis. We can barely hear you, or I can barely hear you. You're breaking up. Mm-mm. We can't hear you. Is it any? No. No. It's it's your audio. Your audio is choppy. I look, I'll invite you as a speaker. I invited you as a speaker. Sometimes that fixes the problem. Okay. Um, you gotta hit it set. Yeah. Try it, try it, try it that way. Sometimes that fixes the problem. And in the meantime, I'll right. go ahead and go to iCorora. iCorora, what's up? Just gotta unmute. Hey, can you guys hear me okay? We can hear you just fine. Okay, so I recommend like to Lewis um, to maybe clear the catch in the app. Thank you. Me? No, because oh, that might be stalling his app. My app was also having issues a few minutes ago, and I just cleared the catch. That helps. Uh, that helps speed up the app. Yeah. It's like clearing the cookies, kind of. Um, so I, I wanted to. I didn't. I'm. I have to admit, uh, Sabby, I didn't see the Max Bloom Blumenthal interview. So is that okay? I still talk, even though I didn't see your the interview with him with between you. Yeah, and him? that's fine. I mean, I think you know it's pretty much about the rally. So. Yeah, and I got. To, I got. I did get to listen to three or four speeches from the rally and I really was blown away. Um, I kind of stopped right around the time, like, like um, Tulsi Gabbard was getting ready to speak and I just stopped. I was, did something else, but I was busy, but I really, I really liked the rally and I, I agree. Like it's really awesome to get as many people together as possible, even if people don't share the same views, but I will say for myself, my, my main concern isn't, that some people are attending or whatever. I don't care who comes or whatever. I don't care who joins my rooms, anything like on here. I've been doing, I've been doing shows and stuff on here and uh, I don't care, but I, one thing I, the one thing I, that if, if a libertarian, if like libertarian goes to uh, anti-war rally and they, and they're like the main speaker or they're leading the thing, I, that's what I would disagree with. You know what I mean? Like if, if I, I don't agree with libertarians on fundamentally, I think that they're just capitalist and I don't know. Um, so I wouldn't want, I, that's my, that's my, I guess thing. And that's all. I didn't really have that much more to say. I just wanted to say like, it's cool to have as many people as possible. Everybody's anti-war. Almost everybody I know is anti-war, but are they actually for certain systemic changes that would lead to non-war? And that's a huge thing uh, because certain ideologies are inherently uh, create war. And with capitalism, uh, any iteration of capitalism is going to be pro-war. I don't care what, what anybody says. It's going to be pro-war for if you're if, if somebody has capitalistic ideas that their main thing, you know, that's my you know view. What one of the, you know what? One of the things that they do, um, I Corona, is they set themselves up. The, the, um, the weapons industry sets themselves up in almost all 435 um congressional districts 
especially paying and now that's now there'll be someone that I guess Robin can speak to this. There'll be someone that'll be paying like a whole bunch sixty dollars an hour or something like that to make it so they implant themselves into the districts, into your community or whatever the case is. So it makes it that much harder to be like, oh, well, you're going to kill jobs. You know what I mean? So so especially in districts that are like that really need those jobs. That's, you know, that's the, uh, you know, I mean, unless you nationalize it to get to remove the profit incentive, um, the weapons industry or whatever the case is, and and find a way to be like, all right, look, uh, we're going to keep, you know, we're going to keep giving you a UBI, but we're getting rid of the your job, I guess. You know, like we're trying to move away from yeah. making weapons being a war economy, but you mm-hmm. have to give them something. You, you got to be willing to give them something and be like, oh, you're taking away my job, right, but just, you're not going to go broke, though, because we'll give you Yeah, yeah, yeah. About- and, and yeah, that's the thing is that like we're working within capitalism. So I understand that we have to work with capitalists and with money and uh, finance and all this and you, politics. I'm, yeah, I'm just and talking as about much as something it, basic as just jobs. That's all, you know, like. The, yeah, yeah. The well, I'm, t- I'm just. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, um, I, I will. I will one, one other thing I wanted to say is I think a lot of perspective from anyone is, is, is a lot to do with where, is their class. So I'm one step above street homelessness and I've been that way for a little while now. And like, um, uh, I have really radical views, um, that have deep seated in my bone cells more or less just by being, just because of everything I've seen and how I'm, how people are treated if they're poor. And like, I see through a lot of people's crap in real time. Like if I'm in person or whatever, and it's intimidating for a lot of people. Like if you're if you're like a, a confident poor person, you just regardless of your ethnicity or whatever, you just treat it like so scary. You sound muffled. Oh, can you hear me? Yeah, now. That's yeah. Better. Yeah. Can did you hear what I said? Those like. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. You was the, only muffled for like a couple of seconds. Oh, okay. So like, I feel that perspective, um, perspective issues or perspective on things and and politics has so much to do with with the person's position in the class structure and that nobody can really, can you guys still hear me? Okay. Yep, yep, mm-hmm. yep. Uh-huh. Okay. And that like, I guess where I'm getting with this is that I've developed more, more stern and strict views because of what I've seen from capitalism and what I've experienced. And, and, and I can imagine people lower than me that have, have more struggles than me. What kind of hatred and, and, and righteous hatred they have that, that is even more than me. And, 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 and I think that there's a real reason for the hatred. I think there's a real reason. And I think that it's gas. We're gaslighted by people who pretend to be angry and and that are higher class. And it's so disrespectful and we, they shouldn't be the ones speaking for us. So I just want to say, um, just to be clear, uh, in reference to like main speakers, there was the only libertarian speaker that I know of was Ron Paul. Oh, cool. Yeah. Um, person who spoke the longest, mm-hmm. believe it or not, was Dennis Kucinich. Dennis Kucinich spoke for like 20 minutes. Like at one point during his speech, he was like, I'm almost done. I was like, like he had like, uh, I was like, Dennis Kucinich has like a mini book that he's reading. Like he spoke the longest. Um, 
and he's he's a, a a Democrat, even though the Democratic Party like screwed him over, you know. But um, I think that uh, that is something I did want to clarify that the only one that I knew of that oh wait a minute, um, Ron Paul and Scott Horton, I forgot about him. Uh-huh. But other than that, like yeah. most of the speakers, the majority of the speakers were not libertarian. And what's really sad to me is that like people are totally overlooking. Chris Hedges' speech, which I thought was phenomenal. Um, They're totally overlooking... Of course, people talk about Jimmy Dore's speech, and they smeared it. And I think context is very important. They took that one joke that he made about the Nazi thing, and they were like, look, Jimmy Dore is supporting Nazis. That was so disingenuous. People are so fucking shady. Like, it's just... Mm -hmm. It's just, it's really just embarrassing. Jimmy Dore Dore is so funny. Yeah, I I, I said the same thing. When I was there at the rally, I, I looked to my husband, and I was like, Somebody gonna take that and they gonna make uh-huh. it something that it wasn't. But I think <laughs> he's Karoa, he's a comedian. I, they offend people. <laughs> I think Akaroa makes a good point though. If you understand that the reason that we are funding this Ukraine aggression, this war, has to more to do with capitalism than just oh a random war. This country is always invested in some type of warring effort from you know, Iraq to Afghanistan now. So if you understand that it is capitalism that is at the root and you understand that the libertarians are a part of the coordinating of this event, you see it differently and you're not willing to organize with them because you see them for what they are. And that's and that's just like Jackie said. Once you get through this, if you were able to get through this and stop the war, then what? This country has a history of it. And if you aren't willing to begin to take on capitalism and unravel that, then perhaps your real angst about this Ukraine situation is not that you're really against war in and of itself. Maybe you're just against this big an allocation going to Ukraine. Because come on, you know, there there were people there who I don't believe took all the, the pledges or the um, demands of the um, coordinating group seriously. Because so I don't liberty. think those people are, all of those people who spoke are really invested in dismantling the military industrial yeah. complex. No, well, I, I well, really appreciate fair. you saying that. Sorry, go ahead, Sabi. Sorry. Well, to be fair, libertarians are anti-war. They are like that is one of their big things, and I know this because I've interviewed libertarians but are on they my show. Anti-capital, because capital oh, no, is the no, reason. No, they're not. No, but no, but no, they're not. But to be honest with you, Noel, a lot of leftists are not anti-capitalists either. And this was the conversation that I had at the beginning with um, with Eric uh, London from World Socialist website. This was the point that he was trying to make. And we agreed on this issue was that even the people who are say they are lefties and they are uh, democratic socialists, that still operates under democratic socialism is designed to operate under capitalism. So even those people, it's not that they totally want to abolish capitalism. They don't. They want to put guardrails on capitalism. So that's the this is the problem. A lot of people that come from the Bernie Sanders movement. They're not anti-capitalists. They just right. want to put some type of guardrails right. on capitalism. Regulation. And that includes 
That includes Marianne Williamson. Uh That includes even Kyle Kalinske has said this himself. He's not anti-capitalist. Crystal Ball is not anti-capitalist. Like most of these people. He's a capitalist. No, Gene Huber, none of them. Elizabeth Warren, they're not anti-capitalist. They just want guardrails. Right. They just want guardrails on capitalism. Mm -hmm. So this is what I'm Mm -hmm. saying. That's really funny they want guardrails, but one one of the things that I noticed about like the traditional capitalist or the libertarian is they say they want fewer regulations and it's the, it's the lack of regulations that make it that much more monstrous. So they want, they want fewer regulations with the trust that people will just, it will like free trade market will just work itself out and they have too much naivety and, and faith that, 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 that people will be in a for-profit capitalist system and that, that will that that kind of structure will result like the neoliberals think in in everybody getting what they want apparently like globalist capitalists and I agree. and, yeah, and, and, and I, I hate I hate that they think that way because because I feel that they're so they're they're so they're missing the point you know and and I feel yeah. like um I I I just wanted to say one one last thing and then I'll let let Brent talk I guess but I just want to say that I used to I I was like really big into the Green Party and in and I. I still am for like if it's possible if people if people could get behind the um the need act bill that they are promoting through the American Monetary Institute because it seems like even though that's really a radical bill that's what we need we need big radical changes and and I, I hate this incrementalism you know like I keep hearing these people like talk about we just need these little changes here this little change here it's like we need systemic change on a big level and 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 it would people would be so relieved to have that. Like if it actually happened, you know, if we could actually do. Yeah. But but what I'm saying is that what I want people to really understand is that the movement that a lot of us came from, which was that progressive Bernie Sanders movement uh is not anti-capitalist. Even Bernie Sanders himself, he calls himself a democratic socialist. He's actually more of a social Democrat. Even Bernie Sanders himself still wants to operate in a capitalist system. That's why you don't hear Bernie Sanders come out and outright deny capitalism. He says he's a democratic, um, excuse me, a democratic socialist. So this is the point that I will agree with Eric on this, that he was trying to make about democratic socialists of America. They're still operating under a capitalist system. I'm going to try to see if I can get second thought to come on to talk about this because he did Ooh. a really good deep dive about it. I, I think I, yes. shared him. I shared that clip about how social democracy is not enough because it still operates within a capitalist system. So it uh-huh. may not be exploiting the people in their country like Denmark or um, Norway. It may not be exploiting people in their country, but it is exploiting people somewhere else. And most of the time it ends up being people in the global South. So this is what people have to really understand. So when people say we can only organize with people on the left, most of these people who identify as left are not anti-capitalists. And that comes from that Bernie Sanders movement, what was which was propped up by a lot of old school left independent media. And they're not anti-capitalists either. I, I Corona, are you in, in New York? I Corona's gone. Oh, shoot. Sorry, but I'm going to bring in um, Brent. Brent, you are on the mic. Just got to unmute. Hi, Sabi. Hello. Hi. So um, 
In regards to the Max Blumenthal interview, I didn't have time to watch the whole thing. I stopped where Max said something about how either the rally, Code Pink rally, or the organizers of that rally were petty and juvenile. I just feel that if it doesn't matter what their reasoning is, if they want to hold a rally, why not? It doesn't matter if it's uh, as a result of their pettiness or their juvenile behavior. If they want to hold a rally, that should be their right. And um, I don't think it's kind of funny coming from him when he's complaining about his the rally he attended being smeared, yet he's complaining about um, what other people are doing on the side. I just find that kind of weird. And um, the second thing I, I want to... I don't think Max had a problem with them holding a rally. I don't think that was the issue. I think the issue was the fact that they're holding a rally, but they were trying to convince people not to go to this rally, but to go to their rally instead. I think that's where the criticism came in. And the fact that that yeah, they, they did heavily, heavily smear this rally. Code pink smeared smeared the rally? Yes, there was a statement that was issued. See, Medea Benjamin, I will give her props for this. Um, Medea Benjamin actually issued a statement herself. And it was on her Facebook page. And by the way, she's getting smeared now. See, this is the thing. She's getting smeared now because she went to the rally anyway. And she posted pictures of herself, like with Jimmy Dore and stuff like that, and said, I love Jimmy Dore. And she's getting heavily smeared by the same people who supported her for choosing to not be a speaker at the rally. And what people have to understand is like, yeah, like Medea Benjamin is totally cool Benjamin with is like, to- Jimmy Dore and Jackson Hinkle. And like, she's totally fine with those people. It was the organization that told her not to speak because of Jackson Hinkle. So in the statement that she issued, she said that she wanted to be a, a still be a speaker, but the organization Code Pink told her that it would not be good for her to speak because of Jackson Hinkle. Like this is it's very explicit. Like it names names. And so she said so to respect the organization, she was going to step down as speaker. But then she also went on to say that she will still be there to support the rally and cheer on the speakers. And she was, and she was there and she did just that. But that's, that's the thing is that, like I said, Anne Wright, who was also a part of Code Pink, they still allowed her to speak. They just wouldn't let Medea Benjamin speak. And people are noticing this and they're calling it out. Do you feel that's, you think that people stepping down because of the the mere optics of how it would appear if they spoke with someone else that has views that are different from theirs is do you think that's a valid opinion to have or do you think that's kind of like you're smearing the rally what's your view on on what happened with Medea Benjamin Well Medea Benjamin didn't smear the rally but they did They did right Yes they asked So how do you did. feel about them forcing her basically forcing her to step down do you feel that's that's a valid point in terms of the optics, or do you feel that um, doing that is kind of like you're 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 distracting from the the actual movement? Well, Brent, this is exactly why I don't belong to any of these types of organizations. 
This is why I'm not a part of Code Pink. This is why I'm not a part of, I was in, I was asked by other people to join Socialist Alternative. I was like, no, nah, I'm good, bud. I like what you guys are doing, but I'm good. This is why I'm not a part of DSA. This is why I'm not a part of these, because I've been a part of organizations like this before. It started when I was in college. When I was in college, I was a part of this organization called College Democrats. And then I started to see shit hit the, I was like, this organization is on some shit. Like, I think that's when I really started to see that there were really problems in electoral politics. And so even with college Democrats, same thing, they weren't willing to hold politicians accountable either. And so that was another thing. So I've been a part of these organizations before. And that's why I said, I don't want to join political organizations anymore until this day. I'm not, I'm not even a part of a political party. I'm a registered independent and, and with good reason. Because this is the thing. It's like, you have to do what is best for the organization. When I was in college, when I was an undergrad, this is where I learned this lesson. When I was an undergrad, I was a part of a sorority. And love the girls in that sorority. Did we always get along? No. But love them till this day. I still talk to some of them till this day, not as as a whole. I won't go back to school to support... uh, sorority events like I won't go back for homecoming or anything like that but I will say that like it was that that actually taught me that when you're a part of those types of organizations it's not about what works best for you it's about what works best for the organization and even if that means that sometimes the organization may take positions that you feel are inherently wrong, people in the organization will go along with it because they know that's what's best for the organization and they don't want to be outcast by the organization. So that's why I don't join these things. This is exactly why, like with the exception of like RBN, although that's a network, not an organization per se, we have complete freedom like we don't control each other. We're not like you can't do this, you can't do that and da da like we may disagree on certain things, but we have, for the most part, we have like complete like freedom, right? Every organization yeah. I've been a part of, that is not the case. Even the ones that say everyone's opinions matter. Yeah, everyone's opinion matter until there's something that's brought up that the organization feels that is not right, a right fit for the organization. And that is the thing. When you join organizations, it's all about what works out best for that. Even look at the Green Party. I love Jill Stein. I think she's awesome. But look at how the Green Party continued to put Howie Hawkins in the front when they knew damn well Howie Hawkins had no fucking chance. He was a poor candidate. And then I watched the Green Party split over the vaccine mandates. And they split over this rally too, by the way. I don't know if people realize that. They split over this rally. Jill Stein went to this rally. Cynthia McKinney sent the video for this rally. But if you notice, Ajamu Baraka did not support it. Howie Hawkins did not support it. That's the thing about being a part of an organization. Uh, Wow, I'm surprised how divisive this this rally has become. I mean, I had my issues with 
I had my criticism of the of the rally. I think we we discussed this last time about the anti-war, how anti-war some of the speakers were, but I didn't expect actual organizations being divided over it. It just it's kind of shocking to me. And that brings me to my next point. Um, criticizing this rally, having criticizing the of the rally, but supporting, could you criticize the rally yet support them, still support the anti-war movement or is any criticism seen as a smear of what the anti-war movement is about? What is your, what are your thoughts on that? There's a difference between criticizing something and smearing something. The people who were smearing the event are the ones who were constantly attacking speakers, people who were attacking the event. And I mean like more so on Twitter and then also on on their live streams as well. Like if it gets to the point where people are, and I saw all this shit, I just, I didn't say anything because I told y'all I'm a fucking ghost on Twitter. I show up to post and I piece the fuck out. That's that's my motto on Twitter. But I saw all this stuff where people were personally attacking Max Blumenthal. This was going beyond just the event, but personal attacks, personally attacking him, personally attacking Anya, personally attacking Jimmy Dore, people also personally attacking Chris Hedges, like personally attacking Jill Stein. Like these are people that were in community with them. And my thing is, is this, if you guys are friends and you guys know each other, why not just pick up the phone and have this conversation? Why are people making string? This is, let's think about this guys. Imagine if me and Nick, Nick from RBN, we had a disagreement. Imagine if instead of just talking to Nick, I got on, I made a fucking stream and said, oh man, I don't appreciate how Nick did da, 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 And this is just ridiculous. Don't that sound pretty stupid to you? Yes. That doesn't make any sense, right? If if right. me and Jimmy Dore had a disagreement, imagine if I was just like, man, Jimmy, da, 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 instead of me just texting Jimmy and saying, hey, maybe we should talk about that. Like, don't this sound foolish? So then you have to ask yourself, what is it really about? What is it really about? If I know these people and we all friends and stuff like that. And like, I saw the... um. I don't know if everybody saw it, but, uh, you know, Jackie Lukeman, she addressed it on Black Power Media and stuff like that. And she said, like, you know, Max Blumenthal and I, we know each other. And that's why I was so confused. I'm like, if y'all know each other, why are you not talking about this behind the scenes? Why are people making streams about it? It's just really weird to me. It's different, I think, if you don't know the person, you don't have access to them. But if it's someone you know, I don't understand. I'm confused. Right, right. And and obviously, um, these personal attacks. And I mean, really... heavily, heavily smeared. Like I saw people, and it was the same people as it always is. I saw people talking about, oh, we need to find out uh, this money they raised, where it's going. Bitch, we need to find out where the money you raised is going. Let's start asking questions about that. Someone called in a couple nights ago and they said, why aren't people... For the people who are doing all these smears, why aren't people smearing them? That's a good damn question. Like, if you're going to sit there, especially if you on YouTube, and you're going to sit there and say, we need to figure out where all this money is going that they raise. Has anybody approached you and asked you where all the money that you got, where that money is going, the money that you raise? 
No. What is happening here, people? That's kind of insane. I mean, they're not politicians per se. Like, we, we, we have, that's a criticism for politicians, I feel. That's, that's more appropriate for politicians, but not for just people having a rally. That's, it's a little insane. And I mean, it sounds like to me, there's a little bit of jealousy that's going on here. But and those I think, were... I, again, like I, I've looked at financials. I looked at data. There's some things I know that I have not told you guys about because I don't want to I don't want to embarrass people like that. But there are some things I know that I've seen in reference to like financials and in reference to data. And I know that some of these people are not doing as well as they were like during the Bernie Sanders campaign thing. And my whole thing is, is like, look, one thing people can't say about me, do you guys ever see me get on stream and do a fundraiser and say, send Sabrina to DC? No, I'll fucking ask y'all for that shit. You know why? Because number one, if I choose to go, you know, I have a job. So if I choose to go, I'll try to put the money aside to be able to go. And two, I don't want people coming to me saying, oh, Sabrina raised all this money for this trip. Where all that money go? So nobody can ever come back and say, Sabrina said, let's do this fundraiser to raise this money to send Sabrina to such and such. I ain't never asked y'all for that shit. Even when I went to the Assange rally in D.C., you ain't see me do no fundraiser and say, can y'all donate to send me to such and such? Because you know what happens? I've seen this happen before where people have done those things and then people come back a year later and say, what happened to that book you told us you was going to write? What happened to that documentary that you said that you were going to do? People remember these things. And sometimes things fall apart. That's why I don't ask y'all for that shit. No, I ain't got time for it. No. But here's the thing. The Libertarians are a political party. And the Movement for a People's Party is supposed to be a party as well. So... It is a legitimate question to ask who funds those organizations, just as the same as we ask of the Democrats and Republicans. Who is funding the DNC? Because the money trail determines who's, who is the master that you're really serving. So I think those are legitimate but, questions. But MPP is not a political party. We've, we've talked about this before on my show. MPP is not a political party. In fact, the lawyer for MPP stated that on video, when Zineb came on to first talk about the allegations, we played the audio from the lawyer who acknowledged that this is not a political party. They're not on the ballot in any states. They're not running any candidates and they've been around for a little bit over five years. It's an organization, but it's not a political party. What? So that's the thing. That's why I'm saying like, why? Go ahead, Noel. Sorry. Type of organization are they to be coordinating a movement with the libertarians? <laughs> well, it's 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 not that. Well, somebody could say the same thing about Code Pink. Somebody could say the same thing about the People's Forum. Which, by the way, see, this is what I was trying to tell people. Now people are starting to smear the rally that's happening in March, and one of the things that's come up is. Why is Code Pink working with the People's Forum and the People's Forum is funded by Goldman Sachs? This is public information. I don't even need to, this is not a secret. It's not even something I have to hide from people. But do you see what is happening now? So when you, when you question about the funds of another organization, it's only natural that people are going to start questioning the funds about the organizations that you're partnering with. 
So let me ask this question, people. Why is it okay for, if you're a socialist, why is it okay for socialists to organize with capitalists taking money from venture, like these venture capital companies like Goldman Sachs? Why is it okay for that to happen? But then you you questioning what the money, the fundraising that came from and went to MPP and them, when you you still taking corporate money. I think they should exposed and just burn the whole house down because the reality is money is ruling the day and i think if more people more organizations were exposed from where these monies were coming from i think it would help the masses of people really pull back the curtain and say y'all all all a bunch of thieves you're all a pack of thieves and we can't trust none of y'all and that's why i don't ask people for money when i do this shit this is exactly why I don't ask people for fundraising money when I go to, co- especially if I'm going to cover something on the ground. This is why I don't ask for it. And I know some people do because they ask for, they want to pay for like the hotel accommodations and they want to play pay for the whole, the uh, plane tickets and stuff. For me, the way I kind of look at it is if I don't have the money to go, then I'm not, I'm just not going to go. That's, that's just me. But this is why, because it's just like, a lot of these organizations, I hate to tell you guys this, but when I talk to United Front Against Displacement, they're really good about this issue. I know they focus on housing, but they've taught me so much and they're so young, but they've taught me so much and they are a Marxist organization. Like that's what they are. And one of the things that they brought to my attention, they were the first ones that put me on notice about Code Pink. They said, Sabby, I really think you need to look into, and I was like, Okay, I'll check it out. And they told me, they're like, some of these organizations that have these names, like People Forum and Code Pink and what's the one, Workings Families Party and stuff like that. Some of these organizations are taking corporate money. Why nobody calling that out? All the people who was like, where's all this money coming from that they fundraise? What are they doing with that money? Those same people, it was actually Colin who pointed that out on Twitter and he told those same people, why aren't y'all calling out the funding that's coming from the people's forum? Why aren't y'all calling that shit out? Good question. Cause if you're going to do that, you do it for one. Why are you not going to do it for the other? Because it's really not about that. It's really about the personalities. Go ahead, Roger. Did you say code pink also taking corporate? I was told, I have to, again, I have to research this myself, but I was informed that some of these organizations like Code Pink are still connected to corporate money. And here's something else we need to ask. And this is why, like, I don't know, ever since this whole shit went down, what they did to Medea Benjamin, I've been looking at them kind of side eye. Because like I said, they had no problem with Medea Benjamin organizing with these same people before. So my whole thing is, is this, I'm like, what the hell is going on? So what I'm saying is, is that you really have to look into certain things. Why is it that for organization like Code Pink, why are they allowed to go into Congress and protest in the halls of Congress, but no other organization gets access to do that? Why is that? That's interesting. I didn't- People need to ask these questions. They were just there. They were just there. like. When we were at the rally, Medea Benjamin came up to us and she said, the next step is we are going to 
push for legislation at Congress. So we're going to show up there and push them to do legislation about this issue. So then I see the video on Twitter and they're in the halls of Congress. Now, how you get in? They bought the politicians. They bought them all. Because my black ass can't get in. And let's be real. Like, I'm sorry, but some of these people are Democrats. I still go back to the eviction moratorium protests that were at the Capitol, the steps of the Capitol. Did you guys know that, like, during that time, there were multiple people there. I know Franco was there. Max Blumenthal was there. I think Colin was there. There were a bunch of people that were there trying to get interviews with squad members and stuff like that. So explain to me why when Franco was asking questions to AOC, which I played that video on my channel when it happened, he was probably one of the most polite, nicest people. Why Medea Benjamin tell Franco you're being nasty to them? You can't be nasty to them. The fuck is happening here? So are y'all Democrats? Are y'all squad supporters? That's what is she that said how to you Frank. get access to Congress? Nobody else gets access to Congress. Max Blumenthal can't get into Congress. He talked about this before. He's not allowed to come in. So she said this to Franco? Medea? Yes. See, these are some of the things that happened that people don't know about. Yeah, told Franco that he, he was nasty. He's That's nasty. how he got That's that nickname, got... Frank Nasty. This one? Yes. Wow. I just assume all these organizations are bought by somebody and we just focus on the actual anti-war message and who's up there, who's speaking about the war in Ukraine. And I think that should be the focus. And whether they're bought or not, I just assume they're all bought. And that's just a conversation. Maybe we should have another rally about uh, corruption of these organizations. Maybe that should be a topic for another time. But I just assume they're all bought and they're all corrupt because the People's Party, I heard a lot of bad things about them. So I don't know the details of what happened with them, but I just know, I just assume everybody's corrupt. And even if they, even knowing that they're corrupt, if they're pushing it, a consistent anti-war message, then that should, don't that's what it should be about. <laughs> this is why I don't join like these political organizations. This is exactly why, because I'm like, the things you find out along the way, that's why I was like, what the fuck? Like, why would you Don't get mad? Even... Well, Medea Benjamin did come to my women's summit. She was on the activist panel and there was something she said. That's that's on my home page. If you guys want to watch it, it was her, Shama Sawant, Afini and um, Josana. And I think there was someone else. Oh, oh, Glory was on there. And that was the activist panel. And there was something Medea said on that panel that also gave me pause. We were talking about the squad, like those that came from activism and not fighting. And Medea Benjamin said, well, I don't think we can blame them. And that gave me pause. And I was like, wait, what now? That, that was, um, yeah, I was just saying also uh, the, the Sunrise Movement, they, they take uh, oil money. Yeah, like these people, that's what I'm trying to tell y'all. Some of these people, like they're, okay, so it could be, yes, that Code Pink, you know, they really do want to fight for foreign policy issues. That's that's their thing, right? Totally get that. But that still don't mean that they have denounced the Democratic Party. 
And that's the thing. If you still Democrat, how you still operating in the same system that is pushing these wars, that's supporting these wars from both parties? How you still operate in that system and you supposed to be anti-war? I don't understand that. That don't make no sense to me. Oh, also, now remember how you said, how you talked about how um, they're, uh, they're the biggest polluters, the, the military? Yes. Okay, so I don't think I mentioned this before, right? But we have, um, so Northrop Grumman is out here in, in Nassau County, Long Island, right? And since the 80s, now there was this big, big spread in the local uh, paper out here, right? In, in the Newsday, um, sometime last year, and it was this investigative report about how um, Northrop Grumman has polluted like the ground and it, it spread. They, they were showing you, uh, yeah, I got to send it to you sometime. That it was showing you how it spread throughout the years. Like this has been going on since like 1985 or whatever. Right. And it was talking about how it like uh, poisoned the water and so on and so forth. Um, it was kind of like one of those things where you, you don't read the whole article, but you're like, Damn, you know, it took, it took up a couple of villages, took up a couple of villages or whatever the case was. I mean, that's that's like east of me. I'm, I'm more like uh, more a little bit west. But, um, you know, I think I'll probably put that in the chat or something like that. But, yeah, that, that's that's an example of what you mean about it. It poisons and it's bad for, mm. bad for the environment or whatever. Like if you go over if you go over there. They got the um, so they got like the movie studio over there where um, North of Grumman is, right? They got like the, the Ghostbusters vehicle sitting over there, whatever the case whatever is. The case. And uh, they got all these old World War II planes, like, like displaying them on, on the front of the yard or whatever the case was. And uh, yeah, it's, it's a big military thing over there, pretty much, you know. Um, I even went to Grumman Data Systems. It was a, it was a back in the early '90s. It was a, a technical school for electronics and all that stuff. So, you, you know, like, so yeah, yes. I'm gonna put it in the thing. I'm gonna put it in the thing. Thanks so much. That's interesting, Roger. Uh, Brent, I want to go ahead and finish up with you, and then I'm gonna go to Lewis I'm Bad Cookies, and I'm gonna finish with Fontamos. Go ahead. Okay, so. Um, just to finish off, so um, there have been at least some, what I feel, legitimate criticisms of these rallies. Like, I listened to what CJ had to say, his criticism of the rally. I feel like representation is important because war affects people of all races, all backgrounds. So I do feel that criticism is, is not a smear. It's actual legitimate criticism, and I know you agree with that. And I also feel that um, criticizing the the anti-war credentials of the speakers is legitimate criticism. I mean, I don't know whether you agree with that or not, but I feel that it's not smearing the rallies itself because having a consistent anti-war message I do feel is important. And to be clear, I, I support all of these rallies. And I've if there was one in the West Coast, I'll most likely be there. So just wanted to yeah. hear your last on that. Yeah, the smears had the smears weren't about like, you know, 
people being anti-war or not, though, for the most for the most part, what I saw was the money. And the other thing I saw was Jackson Hinkle speaking. So other people shouldn't go. And I'm going to let you guys. Oh, know I something. never said that. I, I know there's people in the ch people might think that. And I I'm guilty of reading the chat. That's kind of my thing, because on social media, I read everything. It's kind of my weakness, I guess. And. I never said that people shouldn't attend the rally, but what I did say is that the credential people should be anti consistently anti-war, and if they're not, then they should be they should be called out on it. But I never said that people shouldn't attend these rallies. I think there should be more attendance. I I feel the attendance at the in the rally in Washington D.C. was very weak, and there should have been more people. And it's it's so disappointing that only well, people attended. Well, but but actually, I guess. Actually it wasn't it weak. Wasn't there weak. were over there a thousand over people thousand. there. I know. That's there should the, be more. That's the best. Well, we <laughs> haven't had more. That's yeah. the thing. We haven't had more since the George Floyd protests. That's what right. I want people to really understand. And honestly, I think there would have been more people at that rally if it wasn't for the smears. The same people who hop on Twitter is like, Jimmy Dore, Max Blumenthal, Jackson Hinkle, don't do it. Jimmy Dore said this. Jimmy Dore said that. Jimmy Dore. These motherfuckers let Jimmy Dore live rent free in their fucking head. It's almost like well, to be fair, obsession. To be fair, J Jimmy Dore lives rent free in my head too because I'm a huge fan of his. Like, I go to all his shows. I think he's ex. He he calls out as is, and people try to call him out, criticize him. If you put the words, if you separate the Jimmy Dore from and from his words, and you read what he actually says. You can't dis you can't dispute anything that he says. He's he's absolutely phenomenal. Like, pe like every criticism people have about him, you look at what he says, it, 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 the criticism falls flat every time, and they they just don't like him because he's loud. <laughs> yeah, it's just it, it's it's just it's just ridiculous. Like, and then it's like anyone associated with them. Like, people were calling me a rape apologist because I interviewed Jimmy Dore. Like, if that was as though that was the first time I had ever interviewed Jimmy Dore, and I'm like, last time I checked, Jimmy Dore didn't sexually assault anyone. Like, y'all motherfuckers be distributing guilt by associations by six degree of separation shit. Like, that's what y'all be doing. Like, six degree of separation. You guys ever played that game? It was around, like, Kevin, Kevin Bacon. Bacon. Those who don't know. Yeah, yeah. It's the yeah. Kevin Bacon six degrees of separation. They be like, you, you uh, interviewed Jimmy Dore, and Jimmy Dore talked to so-and-so's so friend, friend, and so-and-so's so friend so -and -so's is that person's sister and that person's sister is friends, friends with so-and-so, uh, and, -so, and therefore you're you're guilty. I put it, I put it in, at, um, I just want to know, is to anyone, is I just want to know, is behind a paywall, because I sent two, I sent two of them, but the Newsday one is the better one, because it shows you a virtual thing of how the, plume. I keep hearing an echo in myself, uh, it shows you like a plume, pretty much, of, uh, what it looked like virtually, it's, is anyone able to see that? Does anyone hear me? Um, see what? Like in the chat? Roger. Yeah, I see it. Roger, it's not behind the paywall. Okay. So you see both of them? Because I put two links in the chat. The 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 Newsday one is the better one. I mean you could, you know, the other one is a quick, you know, a quick rundown, but the Newsday one is like a, a better one pretty much. 
That's the one I checked. It's fl- it's clear. It's not behind a paywall. You're good to go. All right, cool. All right, cool. Um, I want to bring in Lewis. Lewis, can you try now? Can you um, you're unmuted, but I can't hear you. Okay, I don't know. Let's go to Bad Cookies. Bad Cookies, can you unmute? Colin has a lot of glitches, but thank you. Thanks, Brent. Evening, Sabby. How are you tonight? Hey, how are you? <clears throat> I'm doing all right. Uh, had a great evening. You had a great show tonight. I really appreciated the show. Thank you. Thank you. Um, you, you had said some things earlier that I wanted to ask you about. That's really what I wanted to get on about. Was um, Earlier you had said you were interviewing someone this Sunday. And it sounded like an interesting interview. I wanted to get feedback on who that was. Yeah, Senator Eldridge, um, he is a a local senator here in Massachusetts. He has two bills. Uh, One is the Medicare for All bill, and the other one is a public banking bill. So he's going to come on to talk to us about that because we would like to try to run ballot initiatives if we can. And then Saturday, this isn't going to be live. I'm going to have to record it because um, I don't want to go live the same time as, as RBN. Cause I think Nick, Nick will probably go live on Saturday around that time, but Saturday I'm recording an uh, interview with um, mass care. So there's a team of them coming on and they're going to talk about uh, the single payer process in Massachusetts. So I'm going to record that and then hopefully have that uploaded Saturday evening. So you guys can go ahead and see that before you see the interview with Senator Eldridge on Sunday. Excellent. Cool. Uh, That sounds like a real interesting interview. I remember Betsy talking about it earlier and it sounds Mm -hmm. really cool. And I am really looking forward to that one. And the other thing that interested me very much so was um, the, the debate you have coming up in March. Do you have a set date for that? I do, but it won't be aired at that time. The debate is March 11th, and you guys will see it at the conference that I'm attending uh, in June. It's a whole list of people, I think, that are coming to that conference. So, um, yeah, it's really interesting. Uh, The gentleman who's planning the conference, he saw the video that I did, and I was like, oh, shit. He saw the video where I was just like, Norm is totally off the mark here, like in reference to, you know, racial income, wealth, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And um, Hi, can everybody hear? hold on one second, Lewis, but I can hear you. Um, oh, oh okay, and no, so on, sorry. he said that uh, would I, you know, like to debate Norm Finkelstein about that issue? And I said, sure, let's go for it. I don't think he knows who I am, though. Turns out he definitely does. That's going to be so sweet. <laughs> oh, man. All right. Well, since Lewis is on, uh, he's been waiting for a long time. Thank you so much for your time, Savvy. And I can't wait. I'm looking forward to those shows. Thank you very much. Thank you so much. All right, Lewis, you are the last. Thank peep. you. What's up? Thank you. Um, I, I had started um, listening to um, CJ back when it was a Fred Hampton. Um, program on YouTube um, and uh, I've been learning a lot from from you from uh, from him Jay Nick and then also from other people um, 
I'm uh, uh, I also met you at um at Camp Dada this past uh, summer. Yeah. You and everybody else that was there. Um, and the thing is that you know you were talking about. Uh, I I had no idea of the drama that happened behind the scenes. Um, Lucy gave me an idea. She's the one who invited me to the to the to the camp. Um, and uh, this this was my experience. Someone who was new to all this. However, you guys got this organized. However, the, however, the Bank Sisters. I met them. They were incredible. Uh, Lucy, she was out of her mind doing everything, and she was incredible. But so were so was everybody else there. And the thing is that you know, I nobody nobody was debating you know, anything about you know uh, labels or what you know who they're voting for, whatever. Everybody there was just real. They were everybody that was was grounded, you know. Um, and I was just amazed because I haven't, honestly, the closest I've come to that kind of experience was back when I was a, a Christian, when I was a kid. Um, the camaraderie was real, it was honest. Um, and I'm thinking, uh, I'm glad that, that, I, that, I, uh, that I ran into you guys because um, uh, just with all the talks that were there, for example, um, you know, different, uh, uh sharing uh skills um for example yeah. uh it was, it was a really good time what, no but it's not it wasn't just a good time it wasn't just a good time it was just, it was it was as real as 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 as, as human beings i could i've seen because look i have two autistic kids who when my, when my ex is in school and working they're with me and so and so on and uh that's where most of my time goes um, I'm working on getting my own self, you know, better, stable, and all that, so I can be there better for them. But I also want to leave them, uh, this planet, a little better place than you know than it is at this moment. Um, so you know, that's one of the main reasons that I've been in contact with with folks like Lucy, and and now also um, uh, Roger Meadows. Uh, he his encyclopedic knowledge of all things political. Is almost I, I sent him a, a, a message, almost inhuman. I'm just amazed. Um, uh, and for example, I now would like to, and Lucy knows about this. Um, the Bronx can, can can use some, you know, some sort of community. Um, this way, where I live, some real community networking. Um, and I'm thinking of starting here in my building. There's, a, for example, there's a garden between my two buildings here. Where we live, and um, uh, I got some very very smart advice from folks who who uh, uh, do this gardening and, and so forth. Uh, to start off with, uh, just throwing out wildflower seeds because you don't really have to do anything; just throw them out. They'll do the rest. Nature will pour you know pour the rain, they can grow. They 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 um, not only are they beautiful, but they also um, a great uh, uh, bring in pollinators from all over. And I'm thinking maybe something like that where you can, as, as a building, as a start, do this and do this in our neighborhood. Um, and also what Roger and Lucy are doing, get them to register independent or not unaffiliated. unaffiliated. Um, you know, and do this as a, as, you know, like as a real, you know, real thing. I'm, 
I, I used to be agoraphobic and I used to be afraid of, of leaving the apartment and I, I've, I've overcome a lot and I still have a long way to go. Um, but I want to get to know my neighbors as well. Uh, and I think that's an excellent way where I can see how I can help people and how and others can, you know, hopefully others involved. But also, for example, my, uh, my son, my 11 year old, um, I want to help you see that there are people that that are good in the neighborhood that are just strangers, you know. Um, so I was thinking, like doing something with them, like uh, there are plenty of people who work and have uh, dogs in, the, in, in in our neighborhoods, and um, he wants a dog at some point. So I'm thinking, uh, let's uh, let me find out if he, you know. If I'm going to get a dog and he's going to help take care of it, let's help take care of some of the neighbor's dogs. And, you know, just as uh, as a volunteering, just to get him to see how, you know, what it is to take care of a dog, but also how it is that we can help people without asking, you know, we're not doing this for money, just getting to know people and help them in one way or another, wherever, however we can. Um, but all this is inspired, okay, by Camp Dada. And the kind of work that I hear you and everybody else do. Um, you guys have me fired up and I am very appreciative of that. Um, I, uh, you know, there's, there's a, you know, I have, I have a ways to go, but um, I have, I mean, I, I, is anybody there? Oh, We're here. Awesome. oh okay, great. All right, thank you, I didn't know, can you? Um, yeah, so again, I'm, I'm learning so much from uh, from uh, the whole audience, and also from uh, from um, uh, I, I put her name on um, uh, Miss Cummings. Uh, um, Noel. Wait, Noel. Yes. Um, I think I was in the spaces where uh, I don't know if you're there, Noel, but uh, you uh, there was a gentleman. Who uh, a white gentleman who was a capitalist, and um, uh, he was you know explaining his position and what he believed and his basic you know capitalist view and his own personal um, uh, story connected to um, capitalism. And um, Noel, speaking with him about uh, you know I do not honestly uh, just, you know I do not remember exactly what Noel said, what he said Noel, but I could tell that at the end of that conversation, the gentleman, in the pause that he had and the fact that he responded in acknowledgement of what Noel said, Noel got through to him to look at something, a capitalism in a way that he hadn't seen before. And that's what blew me away, is, you know, to, to have someone like Noel speak to someone so clearly, succinctly, and honestly, without you know criticism, without hatred, but from the heart. At that moment, it made a difference in his mind, and I, I can appreciate that. Um, you know, it's 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 these little things that that help things move along. Um, uh, you know, to help other people go, you know, think about things differently. Um, yeah, and also, um, uh, Delphia, I, going back, I just wrote these things down. Back to your story, um, paraphrasing, you are on a platform 
or under that platform, but this train is leaving. I really appreciate that um, because uh, I used to be, you know, a, a back, you know, an activist back when the, the Iraq war, the Iraqi nation started. Um, and only then did I begin to see how messed up the government was. Um, and, uh, you know, it, the thing is that uh, it's very important to not worry about what the hell everybody else thinks so long as you're trying to help other people survive, you know, this planet, whether you're whatever you are. Um, the, the, the sowing of division, uh, you know, it, I don't, I don't bother with that anymore. I used to. I, I was a Democrat when, a long time ago, not too long ago, to be honest. But now I'm unaffiliated. As a matter of fact, um, that day that I was at the the town hall with uh, uh, with AOC, I I registered back to uh, unaffiliated because um, we didn't have an independent now in Houston. But yeah, I changed my um, my voter registration that that same evening. Um, and we had some good conversations um, with Lucy and uh, some other folks that, that we ran into. Um, and again, yeah. they were, they inspired me with, you know, hoping I'm, I'm going to get my building and then my, you know, my neighborhood and with, with their help to, uh, to get them to see these parties aren't helping us. But we don't have to go by what they say anymore. We know they're lying. We know, and you know, and I can, we can show, I can show my neighbors. I have put them on my phone. Bang, this is what Sabi said. Bang, this is what Sonoma said. With the receipts, that's what I love the best. The freaking receipts, you can't, undeniable. And I love that because it's, it's not nebulous. It is black and white. This is what they said. This is what they did. This is what they voted on. This is what they did not vote on. This is what they did and said, and this is what they said, and this is what they did. I love that. Differentiating between between what the rhetoric, rhetoric is and what is being done actually for the people. Um, when I went to that that event, I I was heated up, and you know, I had, there was a short video I saw that went. Yeah, I my speaking public speaking hard. Yeah, but I want to go back. Not back, but I want to go to another town hall in my neighborhood, in my neighborhood again, because the people around me, you know, who live around me, they see me, my, my two children, um, my 11 year old and my six year old, both autistic. Um, my big guy, you know, he has a different, uh, different vibe of autism. And my little one, my six year old, she is still learning how to communicate and she gets very frustrated too easily and, uh, if he tries to express something and we don't know what she means, what she's trying to say, she will have a meltdown. Outside looking in, if somebody didn't know any better, they would, they would think that I was attacking my daughter, but no, she's having a, a meltdown because she cannot can express herself. This is one thing that I noticed in my neighborhood, is especially, especially at, um, when doing shopping and I'm with the kids. A lot of people aren't just, aren't just not judging, I really love that, but also, a few have been helpful on bus rides when my little one is just having a fuss, and I'm trying. Because one of the things she does is she hurts, she hits herself, or bites herself, and and she's frustrated. I'm trying to hold her. Little kids, they seem to gain mass when they don't want to be picked up. That that is just amazing. But here are other people on the bus who see what's going on, and you know. 
either have worked with children or have children on their own or have family who are autistic, I'm amazed that every now and again there's there's someone who knows what's going on and talk to my to talk to my daughter and try to they understand distraction helps. And here's the thing. I'm gonna be, you know, AOC, she only comes around whenever. But I gotta be part of my neighborhood 24-7. Um I wanna go to another um uh town hall and apologize to my neighbors for how I spoke last time, but also I want to have ready to say more calmly, not to AOC herself, but to turn to my neighbors, really, um, that even though Miss AOC won't be here, we will, at one point or another, we will see each other because we live around here, we shop around here, our kids play around here together. Every now and again, you're going to see that, yeah, or maybe some will already see me because, you know, my daughter, she, she will let everybody know when she's upset, you know, people in Jersey will know. Um, and every now and again, there are people who are actually helpful, not being judgmental. There are decent people in this, just in my neighborhood alone. And I'm sure, yeah. um, this is, I'm sure it's, it's not an anomaly and it's not just my neighborhood. It's everywhere. There are decent people. We just need to realize that we need to take care of each other because they're not. They're yeah. just there yeah. to cover their own butts. We need to cover each other's butts, you know. And I, again, apologize to the people because they are my neighbor. I will see you with your kid one day. And I will try to help. I've done that. Mothers up and down the stairs on subway trains because right. my kids, when they were toddlers, up and down the subway train. You know, um, just last week. Oh my God! Of course it's going to happen. Little little child and her mom. The mom is rushing out of the Walgreens, getting in the girls at the curb so she could throw up. Poor girl was getting sick. She was getting medicine, and, and I ran up to to where I was, got the wipes because I know I know the situation. <laughs> You know, and that's the thing. That's what we do as neighbors here. Yeah. Right. Um, so I think this is the point that Nick always tries to drive home, right? It's like you can't be afraid of your neighbor. And I think that's very important. No, you really all. can't. And I think I think it's a mistake to expect like politicians, even your representatives, to yes. come in and save the day for you. You really have to look to mm -hmm. your neighbor. This is how it used to be back in the yes. day, at least like my parents yeah. were up until they talk about it. You really have to look to your neighbor. Um, and you have I'm, to help I'm each really other hard you have to practice uh, community building. But I do have yes. to get going because it's okay, yes. um, it's about okay. that time. It's, but thank you so yes. much for calling in, Lewis, and thank and all thank of you guys for doing what you do, doing as you say, doing a damn thing. Thank you. Thank you. Bye, guys. <laughs> Have a good night, everybody. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning.